All right, everyone, welcome to Mag per Tag, a podcast from the Uno Nerfops, a club in the tri-state area, and a title I totally didn't come up with in the past 10 minutes, about nerf news, topics and mechanics in the history of the hobby, and interviews from members of the community. My name is June. I daylight is an IT technician. I'm a flight enthusiast, the melee safety admin for Uno. I run some of our local games, and I'm one of the co-founders of the Artificial Armory, which has brought the Mistress Key, the Arbalest Platform, and the Why Though Why Bow. With me today is Ness. Hey guys, I'm Ness. Um, outside of Nerf, I'm a special education teacher. I live and work in the Bronx, New York City. Um, within Nerf, I'm the president of United Nerf Ops, so I'm mostly in charge of event organization, the structure of our council, which is basically um, our form of government within, um, within UNO, um, setting up games and running games, and also pretty much the formation of rules that we use at the club. And we also have Kirill. Right. Uh, hello, I'm Kirill. I live in... I live in Brooklyn, I'm a high school student, a senior, and uh, can I be honest with you, I don't really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I was just kind of brought in. I, what, 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 what is this? Karel, like, you're the banner you're, you're the resident. Oh, I'm sorry, you're the banner man. Exactly. Well, then again, yes, I do occasionally participate in uh, Nerf Wars, so I suppose maybe I just have a place here. The resident normal person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he also carries our banner, you know, we have that big uh, NYACNO flag that he has, waves it around every war. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, honestly, I don't think anyone noticed, but I'm, it's kind of sweet that he did. You're here, for your, for, hey, you know, yeah, you're here for your intelligence It's important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, got, uh, definitely got some of that. Alright, so uh, we're going we're gonna to jump over to the news here. Um, recently, workers announced the Phoenix Mark II, which is the follow-up to the Phoenix from earlier on in this year. It's an injection-molded tri-stage brushless, not brushless, brush blaster. Be pretty cool if it was brushless. That runs for about two hundred dollars, and if I remember correctly, is about two hundred FPS with that triple cage. So, which time is it that uh, worker has made uh, a product and then immediately remade it? Second, third. <laughs> At least you know they got the cheetah. They've got that. I don't think they remade the earlier platforms. Like, there's no second Dominator, Swordfish, or what. Yeah, like, um, Dominator is the one I think. Of about the most. That's like the double stack, double feed to mag fat thing, right? Was it? Yeah, I believe it's like a, a Stripe clone, um, which yeah, has like a double stack magazine, which is pretty pretty interesting in Nerf, but it's kind of obsolete because it only uses uh, full lengths. It would be pretty cool to see a half length version. Yeah, and I remember hearing about how those magazines are a nightmare because of darts squishing. Yeah, darts, darts just don't really like to do... Um, to do uh, what do you call it double stack. Uh, double stacking yeah exactly um it's it's really something that more you can see from shell fed blasters but we haven't seen one yet which is kind of a shame hopefully uh i think our community member harrison likes to make um shell blasters maybe we'll see one coming from him well speaking of remake though phoenix would be a great you know blaster to remake considering it's the phoenix you know rebirth and all that jazz <laughs> just gonna keep seeing that from uh, <laughs> you could, now you could remake Anaconda. the phoenix over and over again and it just makes it cooler it keeps getting reborn right <laughs> Don't give I mean, them ideas. I gotta, I gotta say that shell is is pretty sick. It's like super cyberpunk. Um, yeah. I I might pick one up. It's also got angled mags, which are the best mags. Alright, so you guys feel like an FB9 too. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know anything really about it other than what you just told me. What you guys think it's worth it? I uh... am curious. I'm not sure, like, based upon the tri-stage setup, you can get a lot of FPS, but it does suck a lot of battery power down. Um, yeah, triple stage. You know, it's still fairly new. 
Yeah, triple state. It's gonna it's gonna take some power. Um, it's it's fairly new, so there's not a huge amount known about it yet. I'm certainly gonna be watching the reviews. You know, hopefully, uh, Walcom and all of them can do some cool stuff. Uh, show it off. Yeah, I don't really trust any brushed blaster, but you know, I'm looking forward to getting my mind changed about it. I'm all I'm all about. The I FDL. mean, to be honest, to be honest, oh God, those FTLs. I I look forward to possibly either someone or you know us armory people uh, maybe making a brushless cage for it. Uh, that would right. be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you brushless people. You, all I mean, you think about is brushless motors. Because they're... Yo, you dude. Don't, you, <laughs> if you've ever played... Have you played with brush before? I spent like two or three years when yes. I first came in here. Yeah, so those things die like every event. Every event. Like, okay, Kiro like, might have some experience with that. Okay, okay, now, granted, my double stage griffin might have lasted a grand total of a single round... But Ness. <laughs> but dude, Ness. one round. The FBL, that round. Two games. Yeah, the FBL, that round. Was. That round was the best round I've ever had, and I played plenty of rounds with uh, FDLs. I mean, I've, I've that, had, I have like five FDLs, and I've I've had one. Case, high roller. I've had here. one case where it stopped working, and then um, the wheels got changed. That was it. Uh, I think I might have been there for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, the FDL is, you know, props to uh, Project FDL for making an open source brushless blaster, but goddamn, is that the ugliest blaster Whoa, I've ever seen? Whoa, right. all right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I like to put Hydro Dip on it. I think, it, I think it's growing on me now, you know? like It's it's lipstick on a pig. It's a slightly better <laughs> looking pig, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great performing blaster. I wish that there was, you know, the aesthetics there too. But again, huge props to, uh, I believe it's Jesse for, for open sourcing it. Yeah, you know, it's my favorite blaster of all time. I still haven't, uh, I still haven't changed my mind about that after all these years. I mean, my favorite blaster is the Arbless, but you know, I'm a little biased there. Also, we should say. probably get back on track. Yeah, yeah, great going, June. We already went on a tangent. It's been like <laughs> that was quite a tangent. Four Let's minutes. Get back on the next stage. Is is it a podcast without tangents? <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. So the next cool blaster we've seen come out lately is the Ranger Series Mega Bolt Action Blaster, which is capable of shooting both elite rounds at I think they said about 220 FPS and mega rounds between 130 and 175. Probably that variance due to the fact that getting barrel material that's consistent for megas is very difficult. The blaster is absolutely gorgeous. It looks a lot, um, it's, it's a bolt action rifle that actually has the cosmetics of a real rifle. Uh, and it is sold as a completed blaster only. There aren't any files at this time, which is kind of a shame. But with how beautiful it is, I can't necessarily blame the creator. I mean, apparently the creator, which is also uh, the Reddit user Tinkershot, who is currently do, uh, doing commissions for these blasters, they're... They're saying that they're going to be selling hardware kits soon, sometime in the future. So we'll see. I'm definitely going to be, going to be picking one up. Is that uh, two weeks? <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that'll be a two weeks. And apparently it is uh, 130 to 175 FPS with a K25 and 250 with a K11 on uh, normal Megas. Interesting. You said it goes over 200 for Megas? That's pretty impressive. That's that's an, a Jedi assassination yeah, exactly, weapon right, right there. Yeah, I'm I'm quaking in fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As uh, as as Uno's or one of Uno's resident uh, best Jedi. Um, yeah. One of. Not looking forward to that. One of. One of. Certainly one of. <laughs> Maybe the best, but I'm not that arrogant. All right, Yukiro's pretty good. 
Nah, I'm just saying that uh, the only way you're, co you're the best is because of that damned glaive. You're just mad because I know how to pick my weapons, alright? Pole arms are the weapons of humans for most of history. Pole arms Yeah, well, I haven't studied history, so uh, it, it, it doesn't work on me. Is that supposed to be a burn on me, or...? Anyway... Um... <laughs> Alright, let's get back on track, fellas. Let's get back on track. <laughs> Alright, so the next session under uh, normal circumstances would be our community engagement section, where we bring up some of the better comments from the community, the ones that we find more interesting and more engaging to have for a discussion. And less offensive. Fortunately, that too. Um, unfortunately, being the pilot, we don't have any comments, so we'll just bring up this little discussion point. Uh, also, you know, to give a little bit more of an understanding of the uh, podcast, we will be doing community interviews um, throughout Uno and throughout Side. Uh, the podcast will be coming out. We're going to aim for a monthly release, uh, maybe at some point biweekly, but I don't know if we got that in us, so we're going to be sticking to monthly for now. Um, all right, and then we're going to move on to our main topic, which for the first uh, first podcast is going to be a discussion about our club, which is UNO or the United Nerf Ops. I'm going to start here by letting uh, letting us take it a little bit away, seeing he's the club president. All right, so um, you know, as everyone knows, uh, UNO is a Nerf group. Um, what separates us from other Nerf groups, though, is that uh, UNO is actually a conglomerate of many local clubs. So we started off in NYC. And then we formed a branch in New Jersey, and then one in Long Island, and uh, we also have a branch in uh, Salt Lake City as well, called Snow. Salt Lake City? It's Syracuse. Yeah. The Salt City. Uh, we have a lake next to us, you know, Syracuse representative here. <laughs> yeah, and so the other thing that separates us is that um, we have a really elaborate uh, council structure, right? So we have, we're, it's almost kind of like a mock government, to be honest. Like, um, we have this really long constitution that's like pages and pages long, detailing all of our rules, how you become an admin, how you can be removed from an admin, um, how we deal with inappropriate behavior, all this good stuff, right? And um, we have even a voting system that we use where we take a full 48 hours to vote on topics that are of importance. Um, we count all the votes. Um, we even have a um, protocol for how we for how we um, present the votes and how we vote on them in something that we have that's called a ballot. Um, also, our game types are pretty different from other uh, nerf groups. We have a lot of uh, modifier classes, which basically, um, you know, we'll get more into that in another episode, but we have things like the Jedi, shield bearers, um, we have snipers, we have regular machine gunners, things like that that really keep the game interesting. And we also have a 250 FPS cap, which is a lot higher than most groups. And, and uh, let me tell you, the uh, the bruises coming home from point blank shots are pretty good. And bring us back to the voting system. Since you're the club president, I would imagine there's also a voting system for selecting presidents. <laughs> Surely you're not the autocratic uh, oh, ruler of this whole thing, are you? BK, Di no, dictator? Should you change my title to dictator now? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you, you're pretty much one, yeah. <laughs> That's what Ben says all the time, right, Igor, too. But uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, in the beginning, we kind of... How did this work? All right. I think in the beginning, it was just I was running all the games, so they decided... Yeah, I guess, I guess it was a vote, but it was more or less unanimous. Everyone just decided I should be president. And then... Like the George mm -hmm. Washington of mm -hmm. Earth. Right, right. But yep. I, Everyone I just decided so right. that you were present. <laughs> and you definitely didn't falsify the, uh, those votes. While we don't... 110% of the vote to Ness. Yeah, yeah. While we don't have a formal <laughs> system for, like, re-election, 
Um, I think it's kind of obvious if at any point um, I was doing a bad job, people would just be like, hey, you know, maybe we should vote somebody else in, and then we'd have a revote. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's how we do it. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> really now. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Kuro, if you want to run against me right now, go ahead. <laughs> so maybe I, maybe the, I will. Tell everyone the great things you can do for Uno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't divide my, Don't split my vote like this. <laughs> but I mean... If I don't split the votes, then one of us is gonna get elected, and uh, the... that's a, he's you're vying for a healthy democracy. I wouldn't hold that against you, Corolla. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Of course, wait. You'd have to make it to the council yeah. first, actually. Right? But I, I digress. Right? In order to run for a president or any uh, upper admin, you'd have to first be a regular admin. So you would have to get enough votes from the council to be inducted into the council first. Which hey, you know, uh, usually. Uh... Usually we do that based upon running a couple events. Um, and, yeah. You know, we have a lot of people to run events here. You know, it's pretty cool actually. I can count at least five or six different people who have been running events across four different regions, um, which is pretty cool. You know, we got a lot of variety, and we get to try what at least four different fields, right? We got Echo Lake. Uh, we have Deer Park over on Long Island. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, Central, Central Park, Park, the best Central park of all. Park, my region, which is just. Let me tell you, it's it's really interesting um, bringing you know Nerf blasters uh, onto Central Park. You, you, you're always looking over your shoulder, like uh, are we gonna we gonna have to talk to the police soon. But thankfully, we've we've uh, we've had a pretty good relationship uh, with the park police, which we've been super lucky over. Um, but you know, it certainly is an interesting experience bringing you know a very vaguely firearm like object into such a populated area. But you know, we at worst have to deal with people asking if we're playing paintball, which is not really a thing of malice, uh, it's a thing of curiosity. And we've gotten quite some interest, especially from uh, from parents and kids who, you know, see that we're playing with uh, these brightly colored Nerf guns, and they're interested. You know, it's funny, I got desensitized to this, but when I when I was running all the locals back then, uh, before NYCNO and UNO got big, uh, we used to get calls from the, you know, from the police. People would just see us and think it was paintball, and the police would come visit us every single week, right? But they would never shut us down. They would just, like, you know, they began to know us, and then they'd just be like, they'd, ch- they'd have to check on us because they got a phone call, but they were actually mm-hmm. super friendly about it. And uh, they would just be like, oh no, it's just those guys um, doing Nerf. But I got desensitized to that because now that we rent a private paintball field in uh, Cousins in New Jersey, I got desensitized to even people like walking in. So now every time I do go to Central Park, I- I'm a little worried again because I'm so used to playing on a private <laughs> yeah. paintball field. So we are kind of lucky in Central Park. Um, we're not the only, you know, we're not the only people playing with foam uh, foam. And weapon analogs on the field. There's a couple of uh, LARPs. There's a couple Amp Guard. Um, I think it's a Dag Rear group and like a, a traditional like role playing group, which tosses dice and stuff out in the park. So we're not the only ones out there. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, I think we've actually uh, crossed paths with one of the LARP groups before. Which, oh yeah. You know, so uh, which is you know interesting. Yeah, one of the one yeah. of our guys, Martin, who um you would have liked them because yeah he plays with the sword primarily. He was a really good swordsman. Um he actually was from Draga here. And he came across us one day, and he started to play with us. Um, so he started nerfing with us for a while, uh, you know, just because you know um, they're cross compatible. I actually tried to talk to both of those groups and get something going, like a where like NYC and O would come and join them, but then it just never, you know, came to fruition. I think um, our rules were just too different, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it just never came to be. Well, hey, no time like the present. Although I gotta say, those dagger guys scare the hell out of me. They like <laughs> oh, their videos are cool. They're yeah. really hard. Oh no, they're they're awesome, but like those those guys, they play hard. Um, you know, they. Uh, I, I did some LARPing back in the day, and you know, I did a couple of years back in college, and you know, I, 
I did the light stuff, you know, lightest touch, etc. Um, dagger is is truly something else. It, it looks like a lot of fun, but I'll I'll stay with you know I'll stay with my light swords and uh, and you know my foam foam blasters. Yeah, definitely we're right. a we're a nerf group that tolerates swords kind of as opposed to being a sword group. That's why ours are so light. Now, I think, I think we actually mentioned the most important location, which was uh, Cousins, which is our, mm. our main venue at this point, um, where we hold events uh, between 20 and 60 people. Uh, we have like full daytime, full, full day long events in a paintball field. It's a rented out paintball field. Um, we do that every month to every other month, depending on the time of year. And we also hosted APOC uh, this year and maybe last year there. I'm not too sure on that one. Uh, not, um, not the year before because of uh, COVID. But uh, the one, Makes yeah, sense. the COVID, um, the, the APOC before that was also hosted by us. So this was our second APOC. Was it our first APOC at Cousins? This was our first APOC at Cousins. Um, the one, the one before this was um was also kind of like. I, I guess it was more or less like Uno plus Nick Marvin hosting it, whereas this one he kind of just handed us the reins and said, "Hey, it's yours now." So uh, you know, props to Nick for handing us over, handing us over APOC, because you know we uh, it was really an honor to host the biggest Nerf War. PVP in the Northeast Coast, which is pretty great. You know, we had like a hundred people out on this on this pretty substantial um, uh, paintball field. It's what like to use you know an American colloquialism like you know two two football fields uh, in size. Like pretty pretty substantial area. You know, off in the woods, got a couple different fields. We got um we have a field which is like a bunch of simulated houses. We have like one that's got a trench down the middle with a couple castles and then one that's got like a bunch of dirt piles to uh, simulate trench warfare, which those three they're they're a lot of fun to put together. I think uh, I love how you use the the absolute American uh, unit of measurement that is football fields. <laughs> I feel like it's bigger than two yeah. football fields. It's like a lot bigger. I don't know. Or am I wrong? Maybe I'm just I'm not good at estimating range. Maybe 3. It's 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 pretty substantial. Uh yeah. it leads to Flexibility for some for some larger size gameplay. Um, I don't think I've ever been to an American football field. You've never been to an American either. football field? Really? No, no, oh, wow. I don't think so. I, I'm gonna have one right at my school, so <laughs> come look at it if you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, because um, also you mentioned that uh, we host uh, day uh, day long events at uh, at cousins. Cousins, thank you kindly, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, well, as of uh, a few weeks ago, we now host night-long ga uh, games there, too. That was that was a, a great event, our Camping Cousin event. Um, that was a really fun time. I don't know. Do you think anybody else does nighttime events in the hobby right now? I don't know if a single one in America, actually. That's why I was so proud of that event. Because even though it was our first time, and, you know, we have to smooth mm -hmm. a lot of the rough edges there, um, it was just really amazing seeing the video footage of it, of, like, you know, seeing the lights out was really creepy. Uh... Yeah, I don't know of anybody else who runs night games really like to that to that extent, you know, this in an organized way like we do. Yeah. Well, hey, here's for hoping we can inspire some people. We got a good turnout, like 20, yeah. 30 people. Um, totally didn't get destroyed by Maryland. That never happened. <laughs> we'll I, get I, next I, time, right? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm looking forward to April where we can run that thing again. Yeah, with more people this time. Oh, that'll be great. That will be truly fantastic. Um, and also, it should, was it was. Also, I should note the stars, like. God damn! When you live in a city for so long, and then you get, not just get out of the city into the woods, but also it's just pitch black at night. The stars. The stars are beautiful. The darts are terrifying because you never see them coming. Like, and it's it is. It was really nice to get out of the city. You know, being in uh, being in New York for a couple of years, you forget what the stars look like. I mean, I mean, for, but, the, um, for the most part, you don't see anything coming. 
No, not even the Jedi with the eight-foot-long sword. Oh, God. <laughs> I forget about Neo. Like, he was just a ninja in the dark. Just appearing out Neo's of nowhere, creepy. taking someone out, and then vanishing back. Our player was this, uh... Santiago, um, Santiago, who uh, lent me that giant sword. Um, oh goodness! Also running around with <laughs> his dual wielding. What was that sword called again? The uh, it's called the barely legal sword because it's barely legal. I almost banned it. <laughs> then it, it was like, called the like overcompensator. Inches. It's like two inches away from our limit, actually. It was, <laughs> it was probably slightly over, but you know what? We're at Uno. We play casually as long as it's safe. You know, it was it was close enough that it was fair. Um, like. And having ran that that sword, it was definitely interesting. Um, having the dynamics of something that isn't just like a lightsaber, essentially, against melee players. Uh, but we'll leave the discussion on Jedi to uh, to another another episode because I think that could really, honestly, cover a whole episode in and of oh, itself. Definitely. Yeah. How too. how long was that sword? Um, well, it? so our our max is 130 square inches on the biggest surface area side, and that was about 132 or three. I think square inches. No, but so I mean, was, like, how long was it? I think it, it was. I, I remember. It was I like, think oh. it was seven or eight feet long. Ah, uh, really? Eight feet oh, long. Because right. like, how wide was it? I, it was. How wide was it? I definitely remember it was longer than a person. Was, I think it was about two. I think uh, it was a little over two inches because it was about sixty or seventy inches long. I think. Yeah, it was maybe about closer to six feet, but still, it was it was long enough that if you had a melee sword, you needed a you know someone else to come with you in order to be able to take out the wielder. Uh, as I yep, well experienced I, being yep, charged by. I am three also. people look three people charge me i took out two and in the words of meatloaf that ain't bad well, i mean hey there you're also forgetting that one time me and that other jedi uh, also charged you we both perished but we got you you did but i will always take a one for two trade every time you also had the overcompensator anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> that is such a fantastic <laughs> name by the way Right. I mean, this is a pilot episode. I guess this is just kind of inevitable. Or, hell, this is an episode of a podcast. We can't just stay on track. That'd Staying be on track, it'd be boring. Nobody watch us. Hopefully some people watch us this time. <laughs> watch us? You mean, do you Listen mean hear us? us, maybe? What about Listen, yeah. watch, hey, about watching podcasts. You know, we're eventually, eventually, you know, cool announcement here. Um, we are going to be putting this up on YouTube, and we will be taking community submissions for gameplay from Uno Games to uh, to have as a background, so that people can kind of see uh, more from our community. Because it's kind of one of the big things that we want to be about with this podcast is kind of highlight all the cool people who come out to play in our games, and we really do have a great crew here in the Tri-State area. Yeah, definitely made a lot of friends here. But uh, hey, let's get back on track, all right? Game move. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, that's my line. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna say what I think makes a game good or bad, and you guys can tell me if you disagree, alright? Alright. So, the first thing is it has to have simple, easy, objective rules. Now, the thing with Nerf is that it's, uh, I think the tag is the hardest thing to make objective, but aside from that, you can control pretty much everything else to some extent, right? Like, you know, whether or not someone's respawning, whether someone's out permanently, um, whether something is illegal or not, that should all be very, very objective. Um, the second most important thing to me is that it forces engagement. Now, this is something that I know a lot of the nurse community will disagree with me on, but I actually hate, 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 cannot stand death matches, right? And my whole thing is that in any live-action shooting game, defending is way easier than attacking. And the best thing to do in any deathmatch game with no other objective is to just sit in place and wait for your enemy to come at you. So if your game mode is not forcing people to, uh, to attack, it's not making you capture some objective, 
um, then I think that that's a shitty game type, you know, to be completely honest. Um, you know, I don't necessarily disagree. I feel like there's a second important thing to understand here is that in Deathmatch, it's not a video game. Keeping an account of how many kills you get, tags to be more appropriate, um, and relaying that to if you even have one at Game Master to determine who's winning, uh, it's not like IRL, it's not easy. You know, we'd have to distribute counters and such. And and another thing on that subject is that like, and, and as you were talking about with rules, they've got to be clear, right? Because if you don't have clear rules, people are going to forget them. Like we're, we're essentially doing mock combat. And as they say, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. If you don't have a clear, succinct set of rules, people are going to forget that. So if we have a complicated game type, we risk people forgetting what's going on or if we're just playing in deathmatch, for example, it's going to be, again, hard for people to keep track of what's going on as far as their kills, which is why it's so important to have a well-structured game mode. Right, and that... I mean... Oh, sorry, go ahead. On the, on the other hand, though, what if, uh, what if you just played uh, something like Deathmatch with 3.15, where you have three lives and uh, 15 seconds uh, to respawn? Uh, that, that, that's exactly what we're of, talking about, Karel. <laughs> but, I mean, you're talking about counting things. Oh, you're yeah, right, and I suppose... Counting lives isn't quite as important. Um, I guess the harder part there is counting the amount of tags to determine a winner. You could theoretically do a total death match uh, where the last person standing is the winner. Um, oh wait, wait, are, are also... we talking about two different things? <laughs> yeah, I think we're talking about. Are we're we talking, all talking about no, different yeah, things. See, I think. When I think death match, I just think everybody has the way most nerf nerfers do this is three lives, and then the last team still standing wins. Nobody's counting how many kills. I thought you meant counting lives. I guess you're right. Yeah, that's that's also what I was died. thinking about. No, I guess I guess what I'm talking about is the traditional like team deathmatch, like from you know your standard shooter where you get you know a certain amount of tags oh, in a certain amount of time, right. and so you like you count kills. you count up to that or you know. Okay, all right. Exactly. So that's funny. We are talking about two different things, but either way, um, either way, if you don't have any objective other than to kill the other person, it's still easier to defend because even if you're counting Tag. the number of times you kill them. They're more likely to die if they attack you than you are attacking them. Mm -hmm. right? So, I think that that's super important, which is why uh, the easiest things, and it's also harder to keep track of three lives, right? Like, uh, if you have infinite or one life, that's the most objective. But um, limited life games do have their purpose because you know I know I understand they make things um, feel more realistic. It's very, it's a very different feel when you have to preserve your life as opposed to when you have infinite lives, right? One is super aggressive and the other one feels like you're a real soldier and you have to, you know, kill but also survive. Um, the other- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that I think is super important in um, making a game type good is protection from snowballing. So some game types are really good at forcing engagement like King of the Hill, but then are kind of bad because it's really easy to, for one team to dominate once they have the point captured, right? And then the other thing would just be how fun the game is. For me, those are the four things that really matter. Mm-hmm. And there's there's also, you know, ways to play into this with uh, with modifier classes. Um you know, as 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 discussed before, and to give just a little brief insight, you know, the Jedi class being invulnerable to um to regular darts does allow them to kind of break up some of those stalemates. Um Yeah. You wanna give our audience a little bit of uh Corilla Juno um, just a brief definition of what Yeah, the Jedi I was actually is, about so to say that, that yeah, a Jedi only has um, legal melee weapons. But also uh, is invulnerable. Uh, invul invulnerable. Sound it out. Sound it out. Give me a give me a second. Uh, <clears throat> invulnerable. There, there we, we go. go. There you go. You got it. Thank thank uh, thank you for your uh, support, guys. Uh, 
invulnerable to standard ammunition and is vulnerable to special ammunition like uncut megas, uh, throwables, like socks and stuff, and uh, rockets. Right, so the Jedi uh, only mega excels. Yeah. Also mega excels, oh right, I forgot about mega excels. They came out so recently, I don't think I've ever seen a word with them yet. So. Oh, I uh, I faced off against a couple of them at uh, Camping Club Zone. Oh, have was... Yeah, huh. there were a couple there. There weren't too many. Um, they are an interesting dart type to face against because they scream when they come at you. <laughs> it most feels like a blaster bolt from Star Wars and stuff. I was never able to block any, but like it was pretty intimidating, actually. Just this huge blue dart just screaming at you. Like It's it's interesting. But yeah, so with the, uh, when you're a Jedi, you're essentially scouting and tanking for your team. Yeah, but, uh, but also aggressive in killing players, um, you know... Uh... <laughs> that get too comfortable. Right, right. Granted, so, yeah. nowadays players that get too comfortable also have uh, portable mega launchers like Mr. Skis and whatnot. You know, I invented my own demise. Yeah, right. he did. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, aside from being invulnerable to darts completely, they can only be killed by megas, like Karel said. Um, they can also block anything that can kill them, right? So they can, you know, they can block a mega dart with their sword or whatever melee weapon they're using, and even deflect it at another player. Even though it's never happened before, it would be really cool. So um, Jedi yeah. are basically something that you know breaks stalemates. Um, you know, can make the game more fun, but also a lot of people don't like them because they prefer to shoot. Hey, you know, uh, I, I personally will take the weapon which never jams, never runs out of ammo, and doesn't usually break. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm not yeah, like. But they, it's. It's it's a fun tank class. Um, it's a fun tank class that can really really add to game modes. Yeah, on quite a few occasions, I've just had like my last blaster break, and I'm like, well, guess this is it, and pick up a sword. And some occasions, more like literally every game for me, and I bring about six blasters to every game. Yeah, I gotta. I don't same. know what that speaks to my you know engineering capability, but you know. <laughs> yeah, personally, we'll I like. Love, we'll leave that when I, when I feel like I spent all my ammo and I don't feel like reloading again. That's when I pick up the sword. <laughs> But anyway. Yeah, you definitely do spend ammo. Yeah, I definitely do. All right, speaking of spending ammo, let's go with our first game type on our list, um, which actually requires nice, nice a lot segue. of ammo. Okay? So King of the Hill is a game where players have infinite lives. They start on opposite ends, uh, opposite respawns from each other. There's an objective which we use as a chess timer in the middle. And once you press the timer, it makes the timer count down for the other team. So basically, you want to control the chess timer for a total of three minutes but you can adjust the time to be anything you want. And after you control the timer for a total of three minutes, then you win the game. So um, the pros of this game is that it absolutely forces engagement. Um, you have to go attack the timer because um, that's the only way you win the game. Um, there's always action. It's extremely competitive. And to me, that is extremely, extremely important. King of the Hill was my favorite game type for a while. But the con is that um, it can be very one-sided if one team captures the point. All they have to do now is defend it and then if they're really good, if they're better than the other team, the other team will never get a piece of that action. They'll never be able to get that timer. So it can be kind of boring if one team is a lot better than the other. So tactics is very important. It's also extremely important to balance the teams if you are going to play King of the Hill. Yeah. yeah. Especially um, especially for blaster type, King of the Hill really, really likes uh, flywheelers because you can get in so close and just hose rounds into the area. It's not quite as much of a Springer type mode. At least in my opinion. I still think Springers have their place because they, you know, they fight from the back. But me as a flywheel player, I will say that I feel 
most effective in games like King of the Hill or Carpe, where I'm fighting for a point, staying there, hunkering down, and then shooting people. That's that's the most fun I have often. Yeah, so I'll agree with you in there. Yeah, also another important thing is uh, placement of the chest timer it's itself. Because, well, if you place it uh, somewhere in cover, you can only you only make the problem worse by giving that team that is holding the timer additional places to uh, well to dig in and uh, be yeah. even more effective at keeping others out. I honestly think that the most interesting place to put a King of the Hill timer is if you have like like on our trench map we have you know those little those small hills to climb up of. I think it's the most interesting to set the timer up there because it forces players to go a little bit up the hill and like do a little bit of a charge uh, to get to the timer. Can be a little bit broken if you're not careful um because you know it takes an extra second for the player to climb but it does add like a neutral um neutral cover for everyone yeah uh, so they're covered until the last second you know what i like about that too you literally make it the hill when you put the timer on top of the hill <laughs> you're literally the king of the hill right so that's what i like about that and you do have to do that charge. Content with mass. yeah and what i will say is that um i think that even if you have it on the hill the most important part about king of the hill is that there's a series of cover you can run to on your way to the point if there's a dead space anywhere, then your game is kind of messed up, right? But as long as you have a series of cover, then you can get to the point. You also need... Yeah, and that's where the Springers can fight over. Right, right. And you also need like some kind of anti-camping zone because if you wipe out the other team, they can go all the way to your respawn and kill you unless you set up like a boundary where the other team can't cross it. Yeah, which is why it's important, you know, when you're, if you're running a club, it's really important to have things like, you know driveway markers or cones or tape so that you can tape off and mark off these things um having the right equipment and this is probably be a good uh, good episode in the future but having a good equipment for the admins is a really important thing for for clubs running good games yeah and the other thing um that i will say about cop 2 is usually cop is just an acronym um it's just short for king of the hill cop um shields usually i know at our group i personally feel like they're too weak or at least they're um they're not used very often. It could be too you know, weak. Well, because I think people one people don't want to make them and bring them, but also I don't think they're. I think we need to make them more powerful. That's just my opinion. Uh, to be honest, yeah, getting shields on the subway is. is <laughs> right. I just people think, look at you weird when you. Yeah, do that. I just think it's so hard to reload a blaster with a shield that um the extra protection it offers is often nullified by the fact that you can't really reload. The one thing that I will say though is in King of the Hill, the shield is almost OP because it allows you to get to that point. So um, the hardest part is like, you know, capturing that point sometimes when the enemy has it completely bunkered down and they have like all the defense around it. Um, but then a shield will just come quickly, get to the point and then come back, you know. Uh, okay, so shield I, yeah. is best in comp, I will say. Like, I think it's underpowered in every other game type, but it's overpowered in King of the Hill is my opinion. I will disagree with you on the shields being overpowered uh, thing. Wait, now, in King of the Hill? It's just... No, in every other uh, game. Oh, and underpowered now, in other games. Okay. Yeah. Now... Perhaps it's just my trauma from experience. Uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> Wait, from who, who traumatized that guy you? at APOC? Who traumatized you? But oh, what? the, the, black, the black yeah, the, the black templar. Oh my god! You know, not the, an inexperienced LARPer here. I have never been so humiliated. Yeah, but oh, absolutely. Let's remember that I, I realized that was my fault. I didn't tell him that his shield didn't count against Jedi swords. So that's how he was dominating you guys. Yeah. I, you know, still, it was fine, though, because, yeah. like, it was it was good to have that kind of challenge right. there. But, all right, real, sorry, real quick for our audience, um, huh? in Uno games, the shield get um, the shield does not block from a Jedi's weapon. So a, a Jedi's sword is supposed to cut through the shield because otherwise they would dominate Jedi all the time, right? But um, we had a guy who had a sword and shield at the last APOC. I made the mistake of not telling him that rule, 
and or telling anybody else that rule because it's a pretty obscure rule, right? It's because we don't usually have shields that often. So our Jedi got owned by this guy because he had the shield to block their swords, and he was just owning them with his let's, own sword. Let's be real; it wasn't just this. It wasn't just. Oh, it wasn't just that. This, this okay. guy. Okay. This guy was a larper. Like he had experience. Mm -hmm. He knew what the hell he was doing, and uh, he he kind of cleared house with us Jedi. And <laughs> that, to be that, honest, right. it was humbling. Also, cool. that shield. I could barely lift that shield with like two hands, and that guy was running dude, around with the shield this, on one hand. It was this guy, that guy was, was a Jack, goddamn that guy was the mountain. tank. That was the mountain. Like oh, absolutely. He, that dude lived up to lived up to his namesake of being the Black Templar. Yeah, like, that yeah, was, I, that was, yeah, was so, so cool. Yeah, I don't think anyone else actually remember his name, for which I guess I kind of apologize on our behalf. But I mean, the Black Templar sounds bad. It's a pretty badass name. Like it's it's. It's pretty good. Wait, 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 wait. Come yeah. on, I gotta ask. Wait, besides him, did uh -huh. any other shield user humble you? No, I don't believe so. It, honestly, though, only... I don't remember any <laughs> other shield users. The only other shield user is Yukuro. Um, his shields are small enough that we can get around. And yeah. then I think it was Alex. I don't remember his last name, but uh, there's an Alex who comes to our New Jersey game. Oh, he has, who a, has a shield. shield He's the, uh, the clear one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a sick shield. Like this, this thing looks like yeah. a riot cop See, shield. Back, it, it's back damn. to my point, right? I I think he's very ineffective outside of Koth, but in Koth he dominated us. <laughs> like that shield. I, I no, would agree Alex with is that. a good player. Don't get me wrong, but that shield was ineffective in games like Flag Push, but it was OP in Koth because he just kept getting that timer. Well, Alex, I mean, I'm almost thankful Alex has that shield because I I don't know. You did did you go to the last uh, New Jersey game? Yeah, I did. Oh my god, remember how Alex picked up his hummingbird, flanks the entire enemy team? That dude must have wiped the entire enemy team. Oh yeah, no, he's, he's really good, yeah, like, he's really good. So, him with the like, shield was not... Let him take the shield. Uh, <laughs> like, let him use the shield, uh, at least <laughs> when he's on the other side. When he's on my side, yeah. pick up the hummingbird. Right. But that, that's my point exactly, though. So, I, I used it, I, to be fair, I, didn't, I never used the shield enough to get good with it, but I used it a couple of games, even with my FDL, right? Which is, you know, I was just testing it out. Or a rapid strike, which it, we don't even allow that with the shield. I still felt like I'd rather not have the shield because it was so much easier to reload. So once you put in our FPS caps for it with the shield, it just it just seems like a no-brainer. Like I'd rather have a regular blaster unless I'm playing cough. Uh, I think personally that our club should increase the FPS caps on the shields. Um, I'm not sure if that'll ever pass because I think people, I don't know, I think people don't want it. To really come I back. think it can pass. I think that shields have changed in the era of the Proud Papa and the Mistress Key, where basically anyone can have an effective anti uh, anti special with you know, and and that's you know to kind of bring us back to our game mode. That's the kind of the cool thing about the hobby is that we've got so many things changing right now, like so many blasters coming out that it's really kind of refreshing um, and kind of breaking up old metas and and. You know, giving an uh, intro to mechanics because, like, mm. Jedi also used to be so much more powerful and so much more dangerous in breaking up uh, groups in games. But now, with, with again, with the keys and the papas, um, you can have a group of people who are now very well armed to fight against the Jedi. So, as a Jedi player, I have to think a lot differently. And it really, in game modes, it, it changed the, the the presence of the Jedi from being a tank somewhat to more of a scout. But that's that's another day's story. But, um, yeah. Let's move on to of, our. It's kind of funny how you're like. Uh... As a Jedi, you're more about applying pressure rather than cutting in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do think again that that should be a, a whole other great discussion about our, right, our right. special uh, special roles. And let's move right. on to. Sorry, I, sorry, I just want to I just want to put out one thing to our mm -hmm. audience. Um, when we say when me and June were arguing over whether or not shields becoming more powerful would pass, 
we're discussing how we have a very elaborate voting system at UNO. So when I say pass, I mean that if I were to propose making SHIELD stronger, we would have to vote on that. It would be a process. Um, you know, it would require a majority vote from the council. It would take 48 hours, and then we would announce it to the club that, hey, you know, these are the new rule sets for a SHIELD. So it's, it's funny because we get political about something, so that's what we mean when we say, will this rule pass? That's what we mean. Yeah, what, what, Ness, what Ness isn't talking about is also the extensive lobbying system. <laughs> so we that, that, we yeah, gotta that wait for major corporations to um, in, uh, to invest into the <laughs> well every bit of UNO. Well, you know, we're as, gonna need as, a separate uh, episode as... for politics for UNO politics. Actually, we need that <laughs> a game politics. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Let's let me just write to... it down. <laughs> let's move on to our uh, probably our most common game mode, uh, flag push. Uh, I'll again let Ness explain how that game mode goes. All right. So yeah, flag push. I would say uh, basically. It, we usually, it could be played with unlimited lives, but we usually play it with three lives. Um, two teams have opposite respawns. In the middle, there is a flag. The object of the game is to get the flag to the other team's um, base. So it's not like, like capturing a bomb. Capture the flag would be very easy because you just run there, take it back. It's actually much harder to push the flag into the enemy base. It's kind of like football. You move the flag into their base, but you cannot throw the flag. You can pass it if you get hit. If you get hit anywhere in your body or if you get hit in the flag, then you drop the flag where it is and you go back. You win the game by either pushing the flag into the enemy base or by eliminating all of the players. So the biggest so, pro of flag push is that it's very easy to set up. Um, Deathmatch is actually, you know, Deathmatch is the easiest game to set up, but like I said, um, there's no forcement of engagement. The next easiest thing to set up is flag push because all you need is two respawns and a flag. That's really all you need. And it works well with all of our modifier classes like our Jedi and Shield. Now, um, the biggest con for me is that it's actually the closest thing to deathmatch. So it sort of forces engagement because you pick up the flag, but at the same time, if the game drags on for a while and nobody wants to make a push, it ends up being a long deathmatch where both players are just like, you know what, the best possible thing for me to do is defend. Like, this happens a lot in flag push games. After a couple of players die, we just hunker up and I say, hey, everybody stop attacking. Just defend, because the best possible thing you can do is defend. And if everybody has, like, one life, and one team is just defending, you're pretty much at a stalemate. There's not really anything you can do to break that until somebody feels stupid enough to charge. So for me, that's the biggest um, downside to that is that it doesn't force engagement. Um, it's basically the next thing, the closest thing to deathmatch to me. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, the, the strategy in this, you know, talking about a, a capture the flag, the strategy I see a lot of times in a flag push is actually take the flag and kind of move it closer to your base and then wait until you take an enemy flank out. Mm -hmm. And also playing on that, again, it's in a spot where specials are so important. You have a Jedi on your team, for example, uh, they can lead a charge into one of the enemy flanks, break up their units for long enough that you can get a small team in with a flag and get them to base or, you know. Reminds me of uh, last year we had a, a, a kid who would come to play at our games um, and he was very good at running through cover uh, and, 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 you know, getting the flag over to the enemy base. There's another, just another, you know, fun thing about game mechanics, like, is, is, I'll leave that discussion for a later one. The discussion about, like, your, the, the type of crowd that you want to bring into your game, um, like, you know, if you want kids or not, totally another discussion. Uh, I think we could have a lot of interesting points about yeah, definitely. But um, the other thing I'll say about um, flag push is even though it feels like a deathmatch, um, like the big advantage of capturing the flag is that um, it makes your win condition more, you know, otherwise you're, if you don't have the flag, your win condition is get the flag or kill everyone on the other team, right? Once you have the flag, the other team is kind of on edge because you can run it in at any point. But then if they decide to defend at any point and just everybody hunker down and defend, it becomes a deathmatch. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Do you feel like flag push drags on sometimes or do you like it? Um, it's certainly 
does. But again, I think that's where it's important to, you know, use different special classes to break it up. I, I really never see it stalemate out if you use any of the specials. Really? Yeah, oh, here. I think we've, I, I guess we haven't played it that much, but in my, I don't know, I've played so many games of Flagpush, and I've seen a lot of cases where it uh, turns into a, especially in Central Park when we do a lot of 4v4s, it turns into one-on-one. -on -one, and at that point, it's a death match. There's no point in attacking. When it's one-on-one -on -one with one life each, it's like, you might as well just stay put. I mean, at that point, you know, that, that, that's kind of a point where you, know, you can think about, like, uh, other types of rules, you know, move move timers or something. Yeah. I don't know how that would work, but um, that's definitely something to think about. And again, you, you know, it's, it's cool how we're still kind of early on in the hobby. I mean, I know it's been right. going on for, like, 10, 20 years, but, like, there's still <laughs> so much more to develop that we can kind of, you know, play around with those mechanics. Yeah, I was and, actually and... thinking of something like that, like, exactly like what you said, where if a flag push ever lasts too long, then, um, then it then the timer starts going or maybe you could just cap it at 20 minutes or 10 minutes and then after 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 it stops then whoever has the flag wins the game even if it's not just so you force someone to do something you know you could loan up depending like the equipment available you could loan out a uh, battle royale mechanics of a shrinking uh, game zone i'm not sure how one would go about doing that um yeah, that sounds far too advanced for my blood <laughs> I mean, you could do that if you could do that that'd be great but uh i you know i think it could be done with you know a nice oh wait I think no, you can. Um, if you had, <laughs> I, I'm getting a little off. Two teams. If you had a bunch of people. If you just had like four people at four points, like four admin, just like closing in, taking a couple of steps every thirty seconds. <laughs> no, no, actually, an easy way to do it, yeah. it's like that, is you have ad two admins, two groups on each side, and then you have ropes between yeah. them, and you just have them take a step forward every second. Or just um, people that have been uh, tagged out. You know, you can have the ghosts of the dead. Oh, true. You can have people that are tagged out. Just come in. <laughs> But we would need a also, lot of vote, huh? also, I, I wanted to note it, about uh, but, uh, the earlier suggestion of um, what was it? Uh, the uh, the run out timer when uh, it's like, as you said, ten or twenty minutes are up. Uh, whoever has the flag uh, wins. That's that actually sounds pretty bad because it essentially it becomes capture the flag. It does. It would, yeah, I mean, yeah, it would have to be who would be who would be the one who won there. I think it would have to because. be a host discretion if the game was like stagged. If, if everybody's fighting, then it doesn't matter. But if ever becomes a stalemate and nobody's moving, then whoever a ref is or organizer could just be like, all right, now we're doing a one minute timer. Like, you know. You could do, I mean, there's a couple other things. You could do sudden death. You could do whoever right. has more tags or more people left. Um, of course, we get hard in a 1v1 situation. Maybe you just have to toss a coin. Um, no, no, no. Somebody's got to get shot to death. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to Blasted. lose to a dart or the flag, not a coin toss. Come on, Two Face, what are you? Two You're face? right. Hey, you know you gotta, you gotta. I don't know. Um, make a blaster that shoots coins. <laughs> that would hurt. You bring yeah, that would bring vortex back. <gasps> yes, vortex. I gotta say, like vortex is criminally underused in this hobby, and we need some vortex blasters back. Please, designers that totally don't include me. Let's get working on it. All right. Okay. So, how about we move on to our third game type? Which Good old is carpe. All right. All right. Oh. Does right. somebody else want to explain this? I feel like I've been talking a lot. If somebody wants to explain the uh, the rules for that. Uh, I'll let June take this one. Okay. All right. Carpe. So carpe is our. I'd say most interesting uh, game mode. Carpe. Uh, carpe. What do we call it? Carpe. I don't know. Trigger carpe, carpe testiculum. Uh, Latin. <laughs> carpe testiculum. I didn't want to say it. Um. Basically, <laughs> seize the balls. Uh. Basically, is as uh, the name says, it is a game mode where you have two opposing teams. They each have a bucket. 
their goal is to collect the most amount of uh, balls placed on the field. Players uh, can go out and take, collect one ball at a time. They can't drop the ball until they're in the bucket or they've been tagged out, and they can't take more than one ball. Uh, it's a very interesting game mode and a pretty action-packed game mode because it pushes players to be very aggressive to grab balls. Um, can't, can't take this game mode seriously sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, it's hard to talk about grabbing <laughs> balls and be taken seriously, right? Yes, yes it is. But, I mean, um, we're, gra we're grabbing rival balls uh, at each... Uh, <laughs> At Don't remind me sleep. about pick picking up rival balls does not count in Carpe oh, no, Testiculum. No. That, that's not that's not <laughs> right, the meta. Right. We, we, um, use, we use a different bigger balls, you know, that are yeah. Clearly and also, balls I guess you can so, not the small rival balls. The size yeah, of the balls matters. Right? <laughs> size of balls matter. It is quite important. You're you're the most talk. Anyway, this does kind of remind me of uh, the uh, alternate name for Carpe, that being Carpe D's nuts. Who <laughs> <laughs> calls it that? I've uh, never heard of that. Well, that uh, does. I guess I do now. It's it's you know I, I hear that on occasion at the uh, beginning of matches. We have the most mature audience ever in our foam flinging sport. Um, but no, it's it's a fun one. Uh, it's it's a good amount, or it's an easy game to do some varying on. Um, we in our night game did a version where mm, uh, let's one. see, yeah. did the. How do we do that? I can't remember if the balls were lit up or... The balls were glow sticks, the, uh, so instead of balls, glow sticks, had glow right. sticks that you picked. So they You're were right, so then. players could actually see them, yeah. um, which is a fun variation on the game. It does sometimes feel like uh, dart sweeping, which is... It's, it's okay at sometimes. Like, it's a good one if you're, you know, out of ammo and don't want to sweep. You just take the role on the team of going out to pick up the balls and running back and forth. Um, so if you want to do a match where, you know, you're playing, you're active, but you're not shooting, uh, that that's a good game mode to play. Right. It's kind of like cough in that you're fighting for a zone. Um, it's not quite as prone to snowballing, though, because the area is more spread out, so it's harder for one team to really capture the whole area. Yeah, uh, right, because in cough, in cough, you have one point, the chest timer, that everybody fights over, but in Carpe, there's the balls in the center, then there's the two buckets, so there's three points you're fighting over. So you can't just defend one area. If you defend one area, you'll get swamped in the other areas, so it's um, it can't really snowball as badly. And um, it doesn't become one team dominating one area for the whole game. So I think it's more, it's easier to, um, like, having unbalanced teams is less of a problem as it would be in Cop for Carpe. That's why Carpe is such a good game. It is a good game mode. It's, it is a bit harder for the admins to set up because, you know, they have to go out and be able to spread out the balls evenly. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, you wouldn't think about it, but the amount of balls that you place out is actually a very important impact on the gameplay mechanics. Because if you put out too many balls, Again, haha. -ha. Um, if you put out too many, though, <laughs> you, you <laughs> it's never try good better. to have too many balls. Uh, but if you put out too many, it, it becomes a game that is more about uh, picking up the balls uh, and returning to your base versus if you reduce the amount. And, and then it becomes more uh, once everybody collects all the available balls, then you got to go and seize the other guy's balls, uh, which right. turns into a more interesting type of fight where you have to push to their base or sneak into their base if you're playing the night games. Um, I remember playing uh, Carpe Testiculum at the night games and watching as a whole squad of four to six guys comes in, they steal our balls and then they run back as I'm walking back to spawn and I'm like, wow, that's that's actually a really <laughs> good play and I that really turned the game around against us uh, and also, again, Maryland was just... that's another day's story. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about Maryland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, I have one very important question for you too, right? So, 
I have my own opinion of this, right? And my question is how many balls? So here's what I will say at first, right? We used to play Carpe with a hundred, about roughly a hundred balls. And, you know, some whether we had eight players or 50 players or 70 players, we played with about a hundred balls. And that's why I didn't like that version a lot because it felt like dart sweeping. I felt like it was so important to pick up all the balls. It felt like work. I think that the majority of the game should be shooting and you're fighting over a very limited amount of balls as opposed to having an abundance of balls that you just gather off the field. I think the ideal number well, of balls is one for every two players on the field. So I think if it's 10 on 10, there should be 10 balls. What do you guys think? You know, there's something to be said about, you know, the standard medically suggested amount, which is two balls per person. <laughs> um, I do not believe in that. <laughs> one ball that, per You know, people. that gives people... Yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know... I'm not sure where I quite sit on the numbers, but I, I think there should probably be about one ball per person. Um, that gives everyone the on chance. On average? On average. I think you know, one ball the, per the, two the, people, so you fight over it. So the two, the two people from opposite sides fight over that ball. One ball per person, you just each grab a ball. Actually, that's not really true. And then you, yeah. then you still got to fight over I mean, and yeah. another important part that I should mention, um, I didn't mention the front part of this section, is that this is a timed event. So mm -hmm. you only have so much time to uh, collect the balls. Um, if there's still balls out at the end, uh, then it ends. But it's not like, you know, as if everyone gets the balls and then we end the game right there. Um, it's usually like a, you know, seven to ten minute timer per game. Yeah. Kuro, what do you think? How many balls per per game should there be? How many balls per player? What's the ideal ratio? <laughs> you be the tiebreaker here. I say one ball for two players. June says two balls for one player. Wait, or did you say one yeah, ball well, per player? I was, I, was, uh, I was talking about averages and shit. Oh. It's gonna be one and a half. One and a half balls per Oh, that's, oh, that's player. painful. How are you gonna count out one and a half balls per person? Very carefully. <laughs> But yeah, the, the interesting thing is we always, we generally designate limited or unlimited life for a game type. Like Flag Push is limited for us, and Kanta and Carpe are unlimited. But it could actually be played both ways. Um, I would be curious to see Carpe also, with uh, three lives could also work. You know, so that way it's like you're not just charging all the time, and you don't want to die, right? That could also be fun. Yeah, I feel that like is an interesting idea. I feel like we were looked to attack defend. Oh yeah, well, attack defend is our next, next game one. type, sir. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you were speaking of. Oh, okay. Let's... Was that was that if our purpose, or did you else, serendipitously no, no, no. get to the next? No, you were. Point? You were I, th I thought you were talking about uh, Carpe as, as if it was like the last game mode. Oh no, 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 no. We still have three more to go. <laughs> look so. at the look yeah, at the, the outline, Kuro. Uh, <laughs> let's let's that, move on to that's the next for nerds. one. <laughs> I I wanna I wanna I wanna go over the next one. This is my favorite mode. Is okay. attack and defend. Um. Attack Defend is a game mode where one side... It's an asymmetric game mode, which is, is first off one of the main reasons why I like it. So one side holds an objective. They don't have... Usually don't have any uh, response. So they're holding this point down. The other team is attacking that point. Their goal is to take out all of the defenders as quickly as possible. They have an infinite amount of lives. So they can just keep on rushing in and rushing in. Um, and then once that game ends at a set time... Or not a set time. Once all the players are out, you flip the game over so the defenders run the attack, and whoever has the better time wins. This is a fantastic game mode. Um, it really can take advantage of of the the space that you have. It's a lot of a lot of fun because you have two teams with diametric or different uh, objectives. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite a fun mode, especially you know like at our cousins area. We have like five different fields that this can be played on um because we can subdivide our fields up and and it really highlights the 
the defensive positions of each uh, each position. Right. Honestly, attack defend gives me like a huge adrenaline rush because I, I love both sides of it. Like when I'm attacking, it feels great, but also when I'm defending, it, defending feels like the most realistic, like war type scenario you can come up with because you're like literally there. The enemy keeps coming at you. They never stop, and you have one life only, and it feels great. The adrenaline rush is great, but the biggest con to this game, I'd say, is that um, on defense, because you only have one life, it can be very unsatisfying if you immediately die, or if you don't even kill any of the attackers and you, you and you know you get shot, you're pretty much out for that whole round. So the way to work around that is to ha is just run it back over and over again. So we like to play it with um, in four rounds, where basically attackers um. Each side, each side defends, each side attacks, and then you and then you run it back again. So if you play it as four four rounds, it takes about two minutes per round. It actually goes ends up going fast, and um, that's sort of a work away a work around the fact that you only get one life. Uh, yeah, what he said. <laughs> right, and uh, you know, to be honest, though, the reason we used to play it with three lives um, on defense, but it got too confusing because when you would respawn. Um, the thing is, when you respawn in any other game mode, you can take as long as you want because it's technically a disadvantage to your team if you're not in play. In attack defend, if you take longer than 15 seconds to come back, you're technically cheating because you're making, you're increasing the length of time that your team survived. Since the point is to survive for as long as possible, you're technically cheating if you come back later. So what we realized was um, you can't really force people to come back immediately. Sometimes they walk slower. Um, and then it's also confusing who's in play and who's not. So attack defense. Yeah, it's really just... easy to get spawn camped. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. Also, it's really easy once they're in your base killing everyone. You basically can't come back in because you'll get shot immediately. So we decided to change it to one life on defense. Attackers have infinite lives, and we just you know we basically put a stopwatch counting up on how long it takes for you to die and then switch. Um, but it's it's really an amazing game type. Um, it requires almost no setup. You just need one area that's easy to defend set boundaries for that one area and then set the respawn for the attackers and then you're done um very clear that cut. does yeah. that does depend on your field of course if you're playing on an open field obviously you have to move around uh your pop-up cover and such we're lucky enough to again to have a um a really good uh paintball field which has all kinds of setups so that we can just switch between yeah and also the central park where we have uh, some fun uh, fun areas as well right we've got that hill on top and then we've got that other area i don't know if we've ever played attack defend with you there girl we have that other area at the, all the way at the bottom of the hill by the respawn where it's like surrounded by trees and we used to play attack defend there as our base oh oh i run attack defense i run attack yeah, yeah i think I, i'm pretty sure you've seen it um June, but i'm not sure if cross uh, i think i haven't i don't think we played in that area attack defend is also an interesting game type for 2v2 game modes um yeah I don't have anything to expound upon with that, but I, I do think it, it's one of my fallbacks when I only have four or five player games. Uh, I, I actually prefer that to all other game modes. Oh, right, yeah. Attack Defend is a great competitive mode, um, to be honest, because it because it's so objective. Like, um, you know, one hit, you're out. Um, you just count the time, and then you switch sides, so nobody gets a, um, you know, an advantage based off of the sides. It works really well as a competitive game mode. Um, I also think that uh, Attack Defend is just a great game because it really requires no materials other than your nerf blasters, right? Like, all you need is a respawn point. You don't even need to mark it because if there's one respawn point, then you don't need a crazy marker. Everybody just knows where it is, and defense doesn't need to respawn. So it requires no setup whatsoever. It's so easy. The only thing that's difficult is if, like I said, if you're playing with one life and you run it back four times, people might try to leave and not play the second game because they ran out of ammo. So when you try to play a quick succession of one life games, 
oftentimes players will leave, so you have to let them know beforehand that there's no reloading in between those rounds and that they should stay for all four rounds before they leave. Just set that expectation. And, you know, obviously in a large game, players are going to leave anyway. You can just um, rebound the teams mm -hmm. if that happens. Yeah, and I mean, and, and this, you know, talking about game types which favor certain types of blasters, attack defense certainly uh, has a slight bias towards springers in that regard because you don't go yeah. through near as much ammo. Right, what I will say is um, it's impossible. I, I, I think it's very impossible to defend against a springer when you're a flywheel because they can hit you and you can't hit them, right? I think that when you're attacking as a flywheel versus a springer, it's pretty even because your goal is to rush in and charge them. It doesn't matter how often you die, right? But on defense, I don't, you rely on range. I don't entirely agree with that. You know, if you play, uh, if you play careful with the flywheeler, and I, I guess you know I'm, I'm kind of biased or don't really have the the right amount of experience being mostly a springer player talking to a flywheel player, but <laughs> I know that at least from attacking uh, with a springer, you know, there, if you come up against a good flywheeler who knows how to play their shot angles, you know, they can they can pick you off as you come around a corner before you can get them with your springer because you only get one shot at that point. Um, I think that that might work for a one-on-one, -on -one, but let, let me, let's me let say you're playing a 4v4 attack defend and you have a flywheel. Like, mm -hmm. Let's say there's two springers on the other team. All they would really need to do is attack you from two sides, and you can't sh your range is ineffective because you can't hit them if they're further away than you. So you can't really That's take true. cover, right? But if you're a springer fighting two flywheels, you can constantly hit them no matter where. They, you can constantly shoot at them to make them avoid being out in the open trying to shoot you because you can always reach them. Um, That's true, and I, and I guess I suppose it depends on the uh, the specific yeah. blasters, you know. Um... Speaking of, so they, uh, so that one round that I alluded to when I was talking about my Griffin, how it only lasted for well one round, that was an attack defense round, and uh, when you have a two fifty FPS uh, semi auto flywheel blaster, it, well, I guess it was kind of overpowered as shit, and. Uh, well, as you can imagine, it's a 250 blaster that you can immediately hit follow-up shots with. So, it was quite great on either side, just because of that. Till it ran out of, till it ran out of juice, right. which is... And actually, no, well, I, I also ran out of ammo. I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be honest, Quirrell. I'm not, I'm not calling you a liar, but <laughs> I've never seen a flywheel hit the same range as a Springer, as a 250 FPS Springer. So, mechanical discussion here, um, flywheelers, springers will basically always shoot farther than flywheelers for the same FPS, right. because when a dart comes out of a flywheeler, it's fishtailing and losing a lot of energy, compared to a springer where when the dart comes out, it's flying basically straight as long as you have it scarred up correctly. So you're not going to get the same range, in a, even at the same FPS in a flywheeler. But as Carol alluded to, the ability to do a follow-up shot kind of makes up for that. Because you know, I don't know the the exact specifics for range differences, but even a 20% loss in range, you're still going to make right. up for in the ability to rapidly come up with second, third, and fourth shots. Right. Because what I will say, right, if, if if two sides are not asymmetrical, you're both fighting for a point. The advantage the flywheel has, they can push closer to the springer, and then at close range, they can fire a lot more shots. At long range, the Springer wins every time, right? When you're playing on defense like an attack defend, you never want to come and push towards the other person. You want to stay in that one defensive position, which is why I think the flywheel is far less effective against a Springer when you're defending one point with one life. But if you're both rushing towards an objective and you want to close the distance, that's when the flywheel and the Springer are on even ground. Um, that's that just my sense. take. Yeah, that's my take. Yeah. 
Now, I will land my opinion here, and this is totally correct and not controversial. <laughs> the best weapon to use in an attack or on the defense side is obviously a melee an weapon. An arbalest. Oh, God. oh, oh I, no, I, it's I a melee I weapon. <laughs> I know you're joking. I have gotten, I have gotten tags with melee weapons on defense before. The, the I still feel thing, bad for I, that guy. The funniest thing I might have seen ever in a nerf war was attack defend at Cousins, where I saw a guy with a blaster creeping around trying to hit someone and june was inside one of those house-like structures <laughs> and she and you just see the spear <laughs> pop out of the window and tag the guy in the head and he walks back it was hilarious <laughs> that was that's probably my best play you see this now dude to be like walking around with a gun and then gets hit by a foam spear that comes out of a window that was fucking hilarious now now to be fair his teammate did avenge me about two seconds later when they came around, <laughs> him. poked avenge their him. poked their Uzi in, and and point blank blasted uh, me in the head. Right, well, I, I gotta say yeah. that was that was good mar that was good vengeance right there. I think that's but a good. No, that was, I'll take that trade any day. You know, get somebody with melee and then get tagged down by a blaster. I'll take that trade. I gotta say, you know, again, we gotta have an episode about like Jedi and melee discussion. But like getting a tag with a melee weapon, you feel good for several rounds after. It is it is just. When when you're against range people being able to close that gap and get someone it just it's it's such a satisfying feeling. Um and I'll digress on that. But <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of speaking of that enjoyment, let's let's get to our last mode, uh, domination. Um which uh, do you want to go over now so I can go over? Yeah, no, sure. Maybe Kiro wants to do one? Oh, do you want to do that one? What... Feel free to say no, Kiro, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I remember what domination actually right. is. So... <laughs> I'll take it that It certainly is one of our less played right. game modes. So before I um, say, right, we do have way more game modes than this. It's just that, you know, we don't want to be talking forever. So uh, the domination is the last I mean, we do, but... <laughs> maybe we'll have, That's you know, true. maybe we'll have another episode with yeah, our more niche game modes. Well, yeah, we should have another one with, like, our less popular game modes, right? Domination yeah, is, a, is a cool one. Um, we don't play it that often because it requires a really big field. Um, basically, every the way we play it, it could be played with infinite lives, but we play it usually with three lives. Um, each team has a respawn on opposite sides, and then there's anywhere between three to seven points that can be easily marked as being belonging to one team or the other, right? So uh, when we played at Cousins, we had these little flags, and uh, it was this weird structure that one of our guys made, uh, Matt, where you could flip the flag so that the green side was showing, or you could flip it down so that the orange side was showing. So the goal is, after seven minutes, right? We count um, how many flags are green and how many flags are orange. It's always an odd number, so that one flag, one team has more than the other. Whoever has more flags captured for their team wins the game. So the point is to capture as many points as we want, right? So the the cool thing about this is it forces an engagement, again, right? Um, because you have to capture the flags. It really prevents snowballing the most out of all the other games where you have to capture something because the points are spread out in very far different places across the map. So you can't grab your team and defend one place, right? At the very least, if you defend all the points, the team could just the other team could just rush towards one point with all their players, and the flags will constantly be going towards one team or the other. It'll never really be a stalemate because you can always capture a flag because you can't keep all your players at one place, right? The one hardest thing that, about this game type is you have to have something that is easily recognizable. Um, so the flags that Matt made were great um, because you could see them from a while, but it's a little bit tricky to make. Not everybody has PVC pipe and can make the flag the way he made it. Um, if you use something else like um it might get knocked over by the wind where it might uh it might not you know be at the right color so that's that's the hardest thing is setting it up and getting the materials you need but once you have something that could designate a neutral position for the start of the game 
one color for the other team and then another color for the other team, it's a really, really great game type because it forces engagement and um, doesn't allow for snowballing. You know, we should, we should ask uh, Matt to make some kind of tutorial as to how to make uh, these uh, flip over flags. Yeah, we, yeah, we could uh, put that up on our Uno channel. <laughs> right. Well, what do you guys uh, is... how do you... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, no, domination is a lot of fun. If you have a big enough field, it's, it's like one of the only nerfed game types that you need to have radios, or rather, you highly yeah. benefit from having radios to coordinate different squads. I mean, it's, and that's my favorite kind of gameplay right there, is, you know, in our Cousins field, which, again, is a huge field, where, like, we did a 12-on-12 12 12, uh, with three domination flags, and we split up and put a radio in each squad and coordinated what was going yeah. on. Um, we lost, uh, which happens sometimes, <laughs> but it was, I gotta say, it was a lot of fun being, you know, being able to coordinate with, you know, Alpha to Charlie, etc. you know, what, what's going on over there, and yeah, it's... Oh, man, it's so fun. It's like, fun. Yeah. I think the biggest con to domination is just that you need a big field, right? Because if, like, it's... it's I mean, I, you could play it on a smaller field, but then it's like, it, it doesn't have the same level of coordination, because if you can see the other... Like, not knowing what's happening on the other flags and having to communicate by walkie-talkie feels really cool. feels like a real war. And I remember when I played, um, I split up my team into three parts, uh, equal parts, where each we started off going to those flags. But I told my teammates, if ever a, a one side needs more help, you walk over to the other side, right? It was funny because like my my side held and we held that point and we beat the um the, the other team's players that they sent to that point. But then I saw that other players from the other points came over and then we got swept and outnumbered because other team, other teammates from the opposite team came to our point. That weren't originally there so it's interesting how like you can you know divide up your crew any way you want and sort of overwhelm on one side and grab the other points later yeah it reminds me of uh my favorite game i think that i played uh which was at apoc uh kira and i are both on the same team we're both playing jedi uh yep. it was a huge field uh again three flags set up kira was taking our left flank and i was taking oh, the center God. I spent that entire game uh, showing down with an enemy team Jedi, um, Neil from from uh, Nerf Herders, who's fantastic and a lot of uh, just an absolute ride to play. We spent the entire game trading our um, trading our range players and just spouting nonsense at each other, taunting each other um, until the end, where uh, Kirill and his team, his his squad, broke through the enemy lines, and I watched as the entire enemy left flank collapsed, and uh, the Jedi Neil who's facing down on me tries to rally his forces. His like last few guys to come over to counterattack against that team, um, but uh, we we got him, we swept in from his rear and we got him. It was, it was so cool seeing that like that large that large gameplay where you know you get like a whole like, like you just you hear your team charging and and you just see this this forest just collapse. It was haven't had that in any other game mode and it was a lot of fun. Kirill, if you want to add it on that I'm, like, I'm pretty speaking. sure I was uh, yelling something in Russian at the time, but. <laughs> In general, was... that's a, that left flank, god damn, that was a nightmare. That was basically just trench, one, trench warfare. Battle of Stalingrad nerf? Yes, essentially that. We were just... So there was uh, the enemy side, there was our side, both entrenched with no man's lands. The only one standing there was me because I was a Jedi and as such, more or less a scout. I couldn't just charge in because all the enemies had... Uh, some kind of nerf, uh, some kind of um, mega launchers, and well, they they couldn't charge because we had a bunch of guys on our side, and so it was this eternal stalemate until, as Jun just uh, said, I managed to rally a charge and Katanda was glorious. Well, at least until I got tagged by a person who I thought was respawning. 
Well, hey, you know, we uh, we we had our moment of glory for a little while. That was yep, that's for sure. That was pretty good. I think I tagged like seven or eight people there. Oh, you big show off. <laughs> Shush. I what, barely ever do anything of notes, so that's just the Jedi my life. I will say this like, too: um, domination, like flag push, is very conducive to uh, all the modifiers being in place. They don't like um, something we forgot to mention. I think is uh, games like Koth and uh, Carpe often become imbalanced sometimes with like things like shields because they can capture objectives. But in domination and flag push, where it's limited life, and uh, it's it's very easy to put in all the modifier classes in, and they still are kind of balanced. Yeah, absolutely. You know, At least un until mm -hmm. you tell, uh, until you forget to tell everyone about how shields work, <laughs> and true, all the all the Jedi on one side get chased around by a crazy uh, shield bearer. Yeah, yeah, that's so. Funny. Hey, you know things. Uh, things go down. Right. I remember you. Down, sure. I, I still, I still remember your reaction when you finally realized that that wasn't the rule set. What I told you. Yes, I, I was, was like, "Oh man, I'm such an idiot. I should explain." Quite that. surprised. We'd spent all day. Uh, <laughs> we'd spent most of that game really struggling. Yeah. Um, and that was that was okay. You know, it was again. It was good to be now you know because you'll never forget that rule, right? So now you know. <laughs> That's for sure. But yeah, also Black Templar. If you're if you're hearing this, dude. Kudos to yeah. great. Yeah, great, great place. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. Great place. You know, it was it was a lot of fun being able to play in the same field. You really. You really showed us what you can do with the shield. Man, now I feel like Black Templar has to watch this, man. He has to come back to one of our games, too. Like, after all this, he after does. all we talked about him. That dude came, <laughs> wasn't like, even seven hours. He wasn't even an outline. We spent a lot of time talking about him. How about that, right? Like, he's, he spent, like, seven hours to get here, and it was worth it, and I hope oh, he can come where, back where, to Black next Templar year. From? Someplace to the south? I don't know. Maybe... I don't know, actually. Uh, we had a lot of people come far and wide for, um... For APOC. We had right. people from Massachusetts, um, 2020... South Lakes. Yeah, APOC 2022. We gotta see Black Templar back. Yeah, we, do. <laughs> we do, we do. I just wherever he's from, I guess we can safely say that he lives uh, rent free in our heads now. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, I never have to play a night game against this guy because truly, oh God. the dark will be terrifying. Oh uh, God, Black Templar, like against Black the Templar Batman. in the night. Oh my God, just look at that name, man. <laughs> it's poetic. It's poetic. Right, right. All right, so. uh what do you guys think? All right, which of these game types are your favorites, and which ones do you not like that much, if any? Well, I'll I'll yeah, you go first, Carol. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm gonna be on team of flag push. I know what what we just talked about the deficiencies of flag push, but honestly, I, don't, I haven't seen that kind of um, drawing out of matches uh, that much. Usually, they wrapped up more or less quick, and well. Easy to set up. You can play as many of. Uh, you can play much more of them than other kind of rounds with larger amounts of setup, and they're just there, easy enough to have fun with, even if you have like six people on hand. Right. I, I will say this. Right. I, I, like based off of everything I said, it will make it seem as if flag push is my least favorite out of all of these. But flag push for the longest time was the staple at NYC and Uno and Uno. It's the game I personally run the it most. It still is. Because yeah, because it's so easy to set up. Kind of. So I, I'd still say it's one of my favorites. I love that game. And like I said, um, like similar to what you guys said, it doesn't always lead to a stalemate. That happens every now and then. But for the most part, it's pretty action packed because both players are trying to get the flag. So uh, I would say that it's still one of my favorites, though. Even though, uh, even though it's the most similar to Deathmatch, which I absolutely hate. So, 
I have two perspectives on this question. I've got the perspective of a player and the perspective of a game runner, and I'll go with the player first. And it's a pretty simple order. Um, I actually prefer uh, in our list as we continue going on uh, the games more. So I don't really like cough that much. Um, it just jams too much up into the middle and... and I don't want to say snowballs, but I guess in a more aircraft uh, term, it just furballs. Did um, you say and you just get all kinds of aircraft. I, I like flying games. Oh, like I thought you, Thunder, you know. <laughs> I thought you were trying to say airsoft, and you fucked up. So I was gonna call you. <laughs> no, out. no, that one. Touche, touche. I right. I stumble, but no. In, in aircraft terms, it just it just furballs too much for me. Flag push is a good game mode. I just think that the other ones are better um flag flag push is kind of like you know my, my middle of the road it's a good game mode it's fun it's a great way to start the day but um i really i i do prefer like the more objective focused slightly larger scales of the other game so carpe is cool you got people you got like two different roles right you got your runners you have your, three really you got your runners you have your defenders you have your shooters who are trying to just pin down the field it gets more mechanically uh complex and interesting attack and defend takes it to another level by adding asymmetry between the two factions um you have to have entirely different strategies between your two matches you have to keep in mind you know ammo usage depending on which side you're starting as, you have to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to start as the attacker. I'm going to use most of my ammo and I'll save a couple mags for the next round. Or, you know, if you're playing defender, you have to be like, okay, so I've got to really pick my shots here so that when I go on the offensive, I still have enough ammo left. And, you know, as, as, as your defense goes on longer and longer, you have to worry about making sure that, like, you're going to have enough ammo for the other game. Um, and then Domination, I, I might have accidentally slipped before that attack was my favorite, but Domination is truly my favorite, because when you get a big enough field, and as I said, you really start to get into squad-based gameplay, you know, you're coordinating a couple different groups, you're sending runners, you're doing radio calls, it it, it feels the most like a, like a war situation. I, I will say I think Domination's a little bit more warlike than Attack Defend just because of that, mm -hmm. um, and especially because in Nerf, like, at, le at least in our groups, you know, you don't really see too much coordination but in this you kind of start to see people organically get together and make plans and such um i really think that that gets very enjoyable yeah. now on the flip side are you gonna say anything oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. on the flip side um as an organizer i think attack defend probably takes my favorite it's the easiest to set up you basically just need one reeve uh referee with a smartphone and a, a timer app um and you just run two sides against each other a couple times. Carpe is, Carpe is my least favorite. Um, I haven't had to set it up before, but like, you know, it, it probably from someone who has more experience, it 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 takes a lot longer to set up than any other of the game modes. Um, a lot more work. Like, no no thank you for me. I'll run them in some of my games, but it wouldn't be my favorite. And then flag push. Um, Flag push is probably my second favorite, again, because it's so easy to set up. You just need a flag, you run it at two sides. You really don't have to do much of anything. Uh, cough and... Uh, I think it's just Cough that has the, the timer on it. Cough can be a little bit difficult, because if you don't have a timer for two sides, you can't run Cough. Um, mm -hmm. But if you do have that, it's you just have one person sit in the center. So it's kind of a poorly ordered answer, but... You know that that that's in general my 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 game running perspective. You know I like what Almost. you did there, so I'm I'm gonna mirror that and then we can debate. I'm gonna mirror what you said from player to organizer. Uh, so as a player, it's funny based off of everything that I've said. Um, I I can't say domination is my favorite just because I don't feel like I've played it enough, right? Like we've I've played all the mm -hmm. other game types many many times, and domination I played very few times. 
But I will say that as we spoke about it in this podcast, I realized that I think it has all the things that make a game good and none of the things that make a game bad. So I think it potentially is the best game type because it forces engagement and there's no chance of snowballing because you can't capture all the points. Um, It's very objective, uh, you know, especially if you play with three lives and it requires a lot of team coordination. So I, I think that that, at least theoretically to me, is the best game type, but I can't say it's my favorite because I haven't played it enough and I don't have really fun experiences with it because I haven't played it that much. Uh, my favorite game types, I think, are... Ironically, I say that Flag Push is the most flawed, but because I've played it so much, I like it because I have many memories of running the flag in, right? So that's really... And then for me, Attack Defend, even though I... I'm not Attack Defend, sorry. Um, even though Cop to me, has that big snowballing thing, as a player, I like it when it's competitive. Um, when, when we played it in our competitive games and it's a 5-on-5 squad, I really love that. Because if you play really well, you can like totally dominate the field. And if you play really poorly, you can be like, hey, you know what went wrong? Um, how do I fix this? Um, but the snowballing thing is a really big problem. That's why it, it forces you to be a better game runner because it forces you to really balance the teams. Um, from a game runner's perspective, I'd say, yeah, Koth is the worst to run unless it's competitive because you have to balance those teams perfectly and it really sucks for the other side. And I can see it. I can, every time I run a game of Koth and one team just has the point the entire time the other team never gets it, I feel really bad. So that's probably the worst as a, as a game runner for large games. It's also, um, if you have more than like 30 players, you can't really play Koth because everything focuses on one point. Um, you kind of want something more spread out like Domination or Carpe, right? Um, Attack Defend is probably the best in terms of being a host. Um, I agree with you there, June, because it's so easy to set up. Everybody really, really enjoys it. The one life, infinite respawn asymmetry for both teams. Like I said, one life and infinite lives is the easiest thing you could possibly do. Three lives is hard to keep track of. Some people keep coming back or don't count properly. If you know you have one life or you know you have infinite, then it's very, very objective. Um, attack defend is also, for me, I love being the attacker as a flywheel, being aggressive. I don't really like defending because I'm a flywheel player most of the time. So for the reason that I already mentioned, I feel like flywheels aren't that great against a springer because I'm not going to run at you and try to charge at you as a flywheel if I'm on defense. But I love it on offense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good breakdown. And also, I guess I kind of forgot about uh, domination when uh, I, was, uh, I was saying about my favorites, which, while domination is really great, it's... I don't know, just a, I guess a game mode that big... It's a treat to play, but also like most treats, you can't really have too much of them. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get your point. Get not your something point. I'd play each and every time, like, but occasionally, yeah, it is fantastic. It certainly is a great like later in the day game mode. Um, at least for the players, <laughs> not quite so much fun when you have to go, you know, sweep the entire field. But you can't win everything. Well, I mean, players are supposed to be sweepers, so. That's, you know, we could have an entire episode on, on sweeping. Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a subject. Yeah, sweep your darts, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we could have an entire episode on, yeah, sweeps, um, setting up and, um, you know, cleaning up after the game. Oof. A lot of admin. that's, uh, that is, that is the time. All right, so let's get this rounded up. So this is going to be the section where we do interviews, uh, 
we're going to start today with our very own Ness, uh, the president of the club. Uh, so, Ness, we're going we're to start you off with some really difficult, you know, deep journalistic questions here. Uh, <laughs> All right. What, what, what got you into Nerf and what brought you to Uno? All right, so what got me in... Actually, I tell this story all the time, so I apologize if you uh, heard this from me like 15 times already, but... Uh, hey, you're fine. Yeah, and, uh, basically what happened... I've always wanted to do live-action shooting games. Um, ever since I was a kid, I would like think about ways to do it. Um, and then one day, I was at school, and um, the gym teacher recommended that everybody buy a Nerf gun for 15 bucks, and that we all just get into the gym and start shooting each other, and he would run the war... And um, he, he sent us a link of all these um, different blasters you could buy for 15 bucks, right? And I started doing all this research because I was like, oh, I want the best possible gun, right? Um, my principal caught a hold of the email because he messaged the whole school, and she actually offered to buy everyone a blaster, and we had it as our team builder where all, you know, we had like 50 staff members all just shooting it out. And then from then, I got so addicted to it, and I did so much research that I wanted better and better blasters. Um, I finally looked into it. Um, I looked it up online, and I found um, NYCNO. Um, which at the time was a very small group. Um, so I came to NYCNO. I came so often. Um, I kept buying better blasters. Um, and I would come every single week where eventually the guy who was running it then, um, you know, who was our founder and one of my um, best friends in the hobby, he basically um, left for college and he was like, you know what, you should start running these wars. So I started running them. And at first it was only like four, four people every single weekend at Central Park, which is, you know, it was fun because it was only... Um, you could be, we basically had total control of what we were doing and it was very easy to set up mm -hmm. games but I always dreamed of something better right and for a long time it was very difficult to just convince four or five people to come um, I think a lot of people have this difficulty when they first started up a nerf group but then eventually I got really lucky because I didn't host a war in a while and then I remember I hosted a war it was in the summer it was about five years ago and for some reason like three groups of four people came so I had like 12 to 14 people instead of the usual four. And we just had a blast. Like, you know, I showed them some of my modded blasters. Um, we had some really- A blast. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, you know, fun. <laughs> I see what you did there. Right, but it was like a 6v6 and it was so much fun that a lot of those guys just decided to keep coming back. Um, and because they, those guys kept coming back, they introduced more of their friends into it. We had like every week we had a war of like six on six, right? And eventually, um, more people kept getting modded blasters. Everybody, we had an arms race. Everybody wanted the best one. Um, I started telling them that there was another group that I used to play Nerf with called the Long Island Nerf Herders. Um, and that's where I played um, Nerf for the most part. I would go there every single month um, because NYCNO was very small. It was only four people. I would go to Nerf Herders because they had like 20 to 30 player wars. And then at one point we were like, hey, we should have a game against them. Um, we set it up where we had NYC versus Long Island. Um, we had a big game. Uh, we won, but we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. And then we wanted to set up another game in another region because um, New Jersey Nerf had pretty much died. It had been a big Nerf scene prior to that, but nobody was hosting wars there anymore. So I started hosting wars in New Jersey. We called it Cataclysm because you know we saw that um, the biggest Nerf war in the West Coast was Apocalypse. Then there was Ragnarok. I went with the whole Armageddon theme. Oh, I'm sorry. In a, um in in the West Coast it was Apocalypse. In the East Coast, it was Apocalypse. Sorry, East Coast is Apocalypse. West Coast is Armageddon. Got okay. it right this time. And then there was also um, Ragnarok. And I was like, hey, you know, at the time we didn't run Apocalypse. And I wanted to make my own, like, end of the world sounding big war. So I called it Cataclysm. And it was for all, you know, New York, New Jersey, everybody in the Northeast. So many people came and enjoyed it that I started hosting wars there 
um, pretty much on a quarterly basis. And then New Jersey people just showed up in groves, right? Droves, sorry, in droves, groves. They didn't come with apple trees. <laughs> it was a grove. It was uh, Echo Lake, right? <laughs> in droves, right? So they had so many New Jersey people showing up that I was like, hey, you know, we should just make a branch there, right? I, at first, it started off as a joke. I'd be like, they're going to be our colony. They're going to be under NYC rule, NYC and a rule. But then, like, we made, I made a joke out of it, but I was also kind of serious. I was, like, looking to see if people would bite into it. And they did. Like, they were really into it. And I, I started writing up these, like, you know, stories about how we were invading New Jersey and we demanded that they, you know, pay homage to us. And we had, a, I think it was, like, Cataclysm 3, um, the third regional war we had there, where we said it's New York City versus New Jersey. Uh, we won. And then um, because by winning, we established that they were part of our, that they were a colony, part of our empire. And as a result, you know, um, we put some people in there as admin of NJNO, New Jersey NerfOps. Uh, eventually, we started a Long Island Nerf Ops too, and now um, we had three groups that all had the same rules. Playing with the, you know, we had the same admins. Our rules were the same. Our games were run entirely the same. So no matter where you went in those three groups, um, you had the same exact experience. And the players from those groups all came to each other's games, and we just called ourselves United Nerf Ops Uno. So that's where uh, that's how Uno started. And then from there, you know, the our government system kept getting more and more elaborate. As more people joined, we realized we needed more rules. We needed a quick way to decide um, how to make decisions, right? In the beginning, it was just because I was running the wars. It was kind of like the way Matt said it was, it was basically a dictatorship. Like if I said it, then that's what we went by. But it didn't feel right because I was like, no, I need everybody's input, right? I don't want to just, I don't want to have to argue with someone about what's right or not. It'd be much easier if we just voted and majority rule wins. And then we came up with really elaborate systems of, um, you know, coming up with decisions. Like, you know, there's fast decisions where we can do um, executive power where the host or the president just makes a decision right there on the spot. But for things that require a large vote because it's a long lasting rule, like, uh, you know, for instance, like how big a Jedi's melee weapon can be, that requires a full vote because everybody, all, everybody on the council has to be able to see it and debate on it for 48 hours. All right. Yeah, also like a pretty hotly debated topic that we have right now is uh, whether we should stick to any tachikos uh, for uh, for melee weapons or just uh, torso only. So we should we should do an episode on that sometime. Absolutely, melee is a good uh, good discussion. I guess we could it could just be part of the Jedi episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do that in uh, in spring sometime. Wait, sorry, what, what did you say? <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said the debate was on, whether we should stick to what? I was like, should I pretend like I heard Damn. that? And then just like, but then nothing you said no, like a... gave me light on what it was you said before. So I was like, you know, let me just ask now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But yeah, like, yeah, so you know how with melee weapons, you just touch a person anywhere and it's oh. a hit? Yeah, that. You know what? I feel like this is a little off topic, so I'll try to say what I have to say really quickly, but we could definitely put this in another episode. I actually hate dueling as a Jedi because I feel it's so subjective who got hit first that I choose to go after regular players when I'm a Jedi because I hate... When I'm a Jedi, I feel like anytime I duel against another Jedi, it's impossible to tell who got hit first. And I'll always take the hit because I feel like if I'm the host of the, for of the war, I never want to be arguing with someone and making it seem like I'm using my power as admin to say that they got hit first. So I'll always gladly take the hit. Um, so for me, I just don't even do that. So that's a that's a good point though. But I think that the thing is, we're not really a full on LARP group like Dragon here. So for them, they want the blow to be really hard. Um, here, we actually wanna 
we it's like we want to convince people that a light touch is okay because we don't want people to hate each other hard because we're primarily a blaster group right and you know we also occasionally have kids who play yeah not commonly but you know we yeah. don't want to foster that like smacking the hell out of people i right. would hate to see uh the cool triad kid taking a hit like that <laughs> and, and also it's like um back to your point of like whether a hand hit or a or a wrist hit should count versus like a body or a torso hit it goes back to my first point before about um rules being really simple and objective where it's like if a torso hit counts but an arm hit doesn't you know or a wrist counts but a hand hit doesn't it's like it becomes even more subjective because you're like no you hit me in this area like where does one body part start and the other one ends you know it becomes really okay tricky. i see your yeah. i i see your argument but also i brought this up mostly as a an example of an issue that we're being that we're voting on right now and it's not something we're discussing so mm, yeah let's then, yeah let's uh yeah. discuss it further in a further episode so i've got a i've got another uh a nice hard hard truly hard curveball <laughs> here um <laughs> What is what is the favorite like? What's your favorite nerf event that you've been to? And it could be any any Uno event, just any any nerf related event you've been to. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, I mean, I personally think we're the best group around. You know, sorry. So uh, Ooh, all my favorite events are Uno casting events. Casting shade here. <laughs> yeah. Casting shade. All my all my favorite events are Uno events. So I think um, dang, this one's really difficult. I mean, I like APOC because it feels great to have the cloud of running such a big war and it's so fun. But to be honest, my favorite games are always five v fives, and or small groups like that. So I think that um, my favorite large game was the last Catalween we had, just because um, it was so great to see everybody's costumes, and uh, you know playing at cousins is always fun. Um, and it wasn't like fifty player; it was like thirty player, so a lot of ten v tens. But to be honest, yeah. my favorite dynamics and pure gameplay is um definitely needle events so um the games that we have competitive wise are called needle northeast dart league and when we have 5v5s that are copy games that's where i've experienced the highest level of tactics and um you know really coordinating with my team and for me 5v plays are 5v5 plays are the best because it feels great to have a 50 player war where there's tons of people there but in a 5v5 everything you do counts for so much right like in a in a 50 player game you can play your heart out and still lose or you can play terribly and still win in a 5v5 um, everything you do matters so greatly to your team, and that's where you can really feel like a superhero, or you can really let your team down, right? So I like that intense pressure. Every time I play a needle um, or a competitive event, and then I do a casual event after that, it always almost feels like it doesn't matter because I don't get that same <laughs> adrenaline rush. So uh, I like. I get your point. Yeah. So based on that, uh, you gonna you come into that New Jersey qualifier for the Phone Pro Tour? Ooh, all right. So I, um, I don't want to talk smack on this, right? Juicy <laughs> but here. my whole thing is I'm not really a fan of the way um, BTA is run, to be honest. Like, I respect those guys a lot. Um, you know, I'm not going to knock them down. And, um, you know, if people want to come out and play that, I'm all for it. My only thing is it doesn't feel anything similar to the way most our Nerf Wars are run or to the way any Nerf Wars hmm. are really run, right? Like. Our like our nerf games and every other nerf war I've been to run by clubs other than us don't play with a really low ammo cap and one life. Most games are three lives or unlimited lives, and you have as much ammo as you want. Um, that to me feels like a completely different sport. That's not even the sport I play, so that's why I'm not really interested. But you know, I love seeing people out there. Um, I love seeing videos about it. Um, I, you know, I'm glad that people are going out there and taking nerf seriously. It's just not really. It's not my style, and I don't really enjoy doing it. I guess. 
Yeah, you're just salty that uh, you can't <laughs> mag dump people with, uh, from your FDL Wait, what's that? all what's the that? time. Oh, yeah, I can't mag dump. Oh, that's, that's my favorite thing. Is so like, I could write a whole... I've written entire essays about Dark's why fired. I don't like that style of play, to be honest, right? <laughs> like, I prefer no ammo cap. Yeah, it, you know, if I can uh, take a second here, um, Kirill and I are, are forming the Queerdos, and, and that certainly has been a... Been a consideration, you know, to to kind of reform our team and reform our thoughts specifically around that gameplay element. Um, we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. We're gonna give it a shot and see how it goes. And we're also gonna be all using angled mags because angled talents are the best kind of mag available. Oh right, wait, they, wait, uh, they what, truly are. What blasters are you guys using? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go too off topic, but uh, because I know it's like for Maybe the for, for the qualifier, point. you can use whatever you want, right? Yep. Yeah, that is something I'm not a huge fan yeah, of. Yeah, everybody the hates event, that. Actually, is that yeah. like everybody that, that you know in the finals we're gonna have to use different equipment. To be honest, I'm gonna cast a little bit of shade here. I don't think we're gonna get that far. Um, I think we're gonna go have some fun. Uh, I don't think we're gonna quite make it to the finals, but that's okay. Um, well, not with that attitude. Some faith in us. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> look, all right. I can, look. If I could wield my sword, I would win that game personally. All right, uh, I can't hit anything <laughs> with a blaster. Um, so I've been looking around for possibly getting an FDL and breaking my own covenant, but uh, but now we're gonna. Yeah, well, I we won't might, let you. We might bring. Uh, we're gonna possibly bring some uh, artificial armory blasters, some arbalests, some arquebuses. Is, um, is it a five v five? But uh, I, I don't even know anything about. It. Is it a five v five? It is a five v five. You can have more or, players on your or team. Three, it's either three v three or five v five. All right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and get about seven people together. Um, we're gonna try and find seven uh, seven weirdos to join our team. But uh, back to it, uh, Kirill. You want to ask the next question? Uh, let me just find where I left off the script. <laughs> hey, you know, running podcasts smooth, is always an interesting. Smooth as sandpaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where do you see the hobby going Wait, in the next, the next few okay. years? <laughs> it can be the next one. What? Yeah, yeah. Where, it, do, it, where do you see that? It is that. Going? Hold on. I'm no, just going to skip one, but it's so okay. It is... <laughs> I can no, 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 no. We can go in whatever order yeah, we, we want. Yeah, we can go whatever order. All right. No, 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 no. I'm going to answer that one. I'm I'll just... answer that one. All right. Okay, there we go. I just edited the script. It is officially <laughs> the next <laughs> one. You're great. All right. Where do you see the hobby going in the next few years? All right. So, the way I see it, um, blasters are going to keep getting more and more powerful. Um, primarily in range, but also in ROF. At some point, flywheels will hit the ceiling. Like before, the ceiling for flywheels was 150. It keeps going back and forth, right? Um, between flywheels dominating or springers dominating. When flywheels passed the 150 cap, it seemed like they were too powerful, but then springers got more powerful. Um, right now, springers are dominating because um, they're better uh, at flywheels in more situations, right? They're more accurate, um, they have greater range. And they are also um, way easier to sweep darts for, right? So that's why 90% of our players are sprinters. Eventually, at some point, the flywheels might um, break that two, you know, that 180, 200 FPS ceiling, and then they might get more powerful. I think um, in terms of where the hobby is going, I feel like people in nerf usually have this argument about whether or not to, um, you know, keep making the blasters more powerful. But I don't think it matters because most groups are still going to keep their FPS cap around 150 to 200 FPS, right? So in terms of other groups, I think that they're just going to keep those same caps. And in terms of Uno, um, I think that we're going to also keep the same 250 FPS cap for Springers. Eventually, flywheels will um, get too powerful, and then we'll cap them appropriately so that the balance remains. Right. Um, so that's where I see it in terms of technology. 
I do think that nerf too, um, in terms of it's getting more and more popular, it seems. Um, at least for us in Uno, right? Like, um, that's what matters the most to me. Um, we're getting more popular as a group where, you know, we're convincing more people to join our empire. So I'm curious to have more people, you know, more admins, more, um, more branches, and really just being able to cr uh, create a whole network with full social media presence on Instagram, on Facebook. We already have that, um, with more podcasts, things like that. Uh, I think it's going to be really cool to see competitive nerf really grow too, because at some point it is going to be standardized as more and more people fly from one region to the other and we actually have a standard form of gameplay which is why i respect bta even though i don't like their uh i don't like the gameplay i do respect the fact that they're trying to create some kind of standard for people to play in and that's kind of something that's kind of like what i'm trying to do with uno just in our region is have a standard needle set of rules that we can play for all of our regions because you know, the fact of the matter is, even though BTA is the only standard right now, it happens so rarely and most of our guys don't even go there on a regular basis that it makes sense to create our own um, our own competitive gameplay. Hey, it'll be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah. Um, what is your take on the budding technologies of AEGs and HPA? Ooh, all right. So uh, I know this is a very hotly debated uh, topic. Um, I actually think that as long as you balance them, they're perfectly okay. So with HPA, right, the biggest issues that people have with HPA is one, it's not safe, um, two, it's imbalanced, and three, it looks um, it looks bad for your public presence, so then the police will shut you down. But there's an easy answer for all three of those, right? In terms of public image, you only play them at private locations, right? So we wouldn't, if we allowed HPA, then we wouldn't use it at Central Park, we wouldn't use it at any public park, we would only run it at Cousins which is a private paintball field or we'd never have an issue with the police. To the second reason, right, um, it's unsafe. For that one, you would just only allow a certain whitelist of players who you definitely trust to build those blasters and they could commission it for other people, right? And then the third one, it's imbalanced. That's, that's the easiest to fix. You basically just cap it at a certain FPS um, so that it's balanced with our current gameplay, right? Like, so right now we have Springers at 250. Um, flywheels have no cap because they can't reach that anyway. And um, HPA would Yes, have... they can. What's that? <laughs> I mean, yes, uh, they... yeah. You know, they can't hit the range. It's not there yet. It's not... We're not at a point where flywheels are dominating. But in terms of HPA, it has the best of both worlds. It has higher accuracy and, you know, FPS. So we would have to cap that a little bit below flywheels because it would have the same ROF as flywheels, but better accuracy than flywheels. So we would probably have to cap it around 150 or so so that it's like... So it doesn't break the, uh, the meta. But I think it's completely fine. I know a lot of people still disagree. They, but the biggest argument is like, oh, now everybody has to get HPA. Easy solution to that: make it weaker than any, make it a little bit weaker than any of our most powerful blasters. And now, nobody feels like they have to get it because it's so expensive, right? So I, I am personally okay with it. Um, I think that most of our admin are not okay with it, which is why we haven't done it. But I'm not really well, married we'll to either side. So I don't really care to be honest. You know, we'll and, see if we can change that. And what about AEG? What, what is that again? Exactly. Yeah, I'll be sound like automatic a electric gun. So it's auto springers, um, like the Challenger oh, Mark III or auto springers. Okay, yeah, I think that's on the same boat, right? Like, um, if you have a springer that shoots, that if you have any blaster that or the stampede, yeah, that's OP, right? Like it's, <laughs> it has too much FPS or it has too much range. All you got to do is cap it to the point where it's not OP anymore. Makes sense. Yeah, just cap Makes sense. I'm also. Yeah. You, there's ways, many ways to cap something. You can cap it by FPS. You can cap it by capacity. You can cap it by um, by ROF, right? 
So, you know, for our scout rules, for in our shield rules, we actually cap all three of those things. So it would be very easy to cap any blaster and make it doable. Um, I'm not against any of those things. Makes sense. Maybe we do a Mandalorian class for, uh, for you know, AEG or the advanced types of blasters. Um, let's see here. Kirill, you, you got another one? There was that nope, one question you skipped. <laughs> all right, so this is a good one. So um, what is the best play you've seen in Nerf that you've either seen or done yourself? Mm, all right. I'm going to make one generic one and then one very specific one, right? All right. The, the best play that I've um, done usually happens when I sneak around, I flank someone, but I flank on a whole side with a flywheel and I manage to kill like three or four people at a time. And like flanking is so important yeah. in nerf because you um you know like we'll have another episode on tactics but um you never really want a fair fight you don't want to be shooting at somebody who's behind cover the way you really make kills in nerf is one of your teammates shoots at them straight on and then you hit them from an angle and as a flywheeler if you cut in from the side and you can take out like a whole team of three or four people if you cut from the side so that's my favorite thing to do but specifically like yeah yeah specifically the my favorite play will will always be um actually i did this at our last um our last kata where we had camping chlism before the night games though in the daytime i was actually a jedi and uh i crawled entirely through the woods and i realized like nobody's really looking in the bushes area as long as we're crawling so i crawled the entire way from my base to the enemy's base and then i finally stood up at the last minute and i just killed like a whole squad of like four people just from through crawling that's intense yeah but you know, you, you were lucky, though, that it was a winter game and there were no ticks out. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate enough with the, <laughs> with the ticks. But uh, I have to yeah, say that's that one of the... the funniest play I already talked about that I've seen was definitely the one you did uh, with the uh, with a sword coming out of the window. I've never seen that. Like a pull arm coming out of a window and hitting somebody in the head. <laughs> that was a well, hopefully... Uh... Damned glaives. <laughs> oh, you're just salty, Kirill. And you'll be even more salty next year when I bring his five-hander to the fight. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. We'll talk about some. Uh, we'll talk about some of the cool stuff in, uh, in, in the Jedi Melee episode that we will we'll probably do in springtime. Because uh, I tell you, I'm kind of excited for that one. Uh, let's see here. I've got one more for you. I wrote down a curveball while we're working on this. Um, Ooh, okay. Do you think you have, or what kind of unique perspectives do you have after having ran so many events and being the leader of one of the larger clubs in the hobby? Um, that offers any unique perspectives. I like this because I, I was not expecting this, so this is cool. But, uh, man, I could talk all day about this, but uh, what I will say is the interesting thing <laughs> that I will admit now that I almost never say is I actually hate it when people suggest new game types to me. Um, when it's people who have run a lot of games, um, they usually suggest things that will work. But new players, the one thing they want to talk about the most to me as the, as the president is they always want to give me all their ideas. And right off the bat, like 90% of them are always like, they would never work logistically. Like, you know, because these are things you only learn after running many, many games. Usually they're two complex rule types where it's like, they it's usually some type of juggernaut game that would only be fun for one player, but the rest of the, the, rest of the people wouldn't find interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Or they come up with rules that are too complex or they come up with things that we've already thought of in the past and, um, and like, you know, have tried. So it's just, uh, I think that... Um, one of the interesting perspectives I have as someone who's ran a lot of games is that it's not really useful to suggest new game types unless you've ran a bunch of them yourself, right? Because uh, usually they've thought about that already. Um, but the other thing too is um, a lot of politics 
goes into running a group, especially the bigger it gets. Um, oh, yeah. In the beginning, um, when I was running the group and we didn't have a complex power structure or a government structure, the way most nerf groups run is the host just basically makes the rules, they decide everything. Um, that works when you have, like, 10 to 20 people and, like, you know, 12 of them show up at once. It's just whatever I say goes, right? Nobody really challenges it. Um, or if they do challenge it, we debate sometimes, but then at the end of the day, it's whatever the host decides. That actually doesn't work as you get more and more people. It starts to feel like a dictatorship, and I know we joke a lot about me being a t- dictator all the time, but the funny <laughs> thing is, if you actually were tried to be a dictator, and I've seen this happen in other groups, it actually feels really bad for the other players if it's like one person just has final say on everything. We ended up needing this democracy, and we needed this big government structure. I was the one who suggested it, actually, because I didn't want to be, just be like, no, we're going to do this. That's my way, right? I didn't think it would work. And also, you know, it also seems like it would take a lot of stress off your shoulder, yeah. you know, having other people who can help to suggest things. You don't have to do everything right. for everyone. Right, and that's where that power structure came from. I actually told, like, the other admin, I was like, you know, I feel there's no way we have to settle disputes. Like, if you guys disagree with me on something we don't have a good way of resolving that right now other than us debating, right? But, like, sometimes you yeah. don't see eye to eye on it ever. It feels so much better to me for me to just be outvoted. Occasionally, I will be outvoted on things, right? Like, usually, um, I think... See, it's, it's funny because being a host of a large nerf group, I I know the types of proposals I can make that will be accepted by the council, so I usually only propose things that I know most people will agree with. So 90% of the things I say end up happening because I only say things that I know people will agree with, Right? It feels so much better for me to know that people don't agree with me on something and then we can just rest the case right there, right? If I say, hey, let's do this and people are like, no, that's not going to work. End of story, right? That's so much better than like arguing with one person and not knowing how to resolve. So I loved, I love the voting system we have and it's really funny to me because um, we started off like a bunch of cavemen where it's like, all right, uh, <laughs> what this person says goes. But then as the group gets bigger and bigger, you need this complex power structure and it really... I had this like epiphany moment where I realized how governments got formed from the start, right? Like as you get more and more people yeah. forming this tribe, you need the comp- the system to be more complex. You need to find a way to hold people accountable, even if they're at the top. So we came up with like veto systems too and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's that's uh, that's an interesting answer. Thank you, um, Kirill. You got anything else? Mm, nope. All right. At least well, not yeah. for the not not for the interview, at least. Yeah, so thank you, Ness, for uh, for being our first uh, victim, I mean, uh, interviewee. Um, there's some really great insight we got there. Uh, really, uh, really cool things to hear about. So that about wraps up the uh, regular content that we have for today. To do a little bit of a recap, uh, we are going to be doing this release about every month or so. Um, probably about mid-month, mid to later month. Uh, or really, really whenever cool. whenever Gotham provides. Or you're a technical, you know, <laughs> shouts out to Gotham or whoever in the future like the helps you, us with our, our... I like the way you said it, Crow. You said Gotham. Like, that's the way I say it as a joke when I want to be like, Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that not how you say it? It's got- Gotham. At least I think so. That's Gotham. Why I heard Gotham. Gotham, like, uh, like in Batman. Gotham. Hey, you know, oh. that's, a, that's a pretty pretty sick way to do it. Um, but yeah, hats off wow. to uh, to Gotham and whoever will help us technically. Gotham does a lot of our Uno uh, photography as well. Does yeah. it? phenomenal job gotham is a media um, wizard he's brought so much to the group like in terms of our social media um instagram you know making videos he made the sickest nerf video um for us on youtube called uh about camping with no sorry uh i forget which cataclysm it was but uh with the tank that video was so dope cata nine i believe that video was so dope 
Yeah, we yeah, mm. we even Uno and Uno have a have a tank, and maybe we'll uh, we'll do a mini episode. I, I we'll definitely do an interview. Best nerf video ever made. To be honest, like I, you know, I'm, you know, it was pretty definitely good. Definitely biased, but you know, it Gotham. Was... I, I can't sing his praises enough for that video. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty wild. good. We'll definitely. Yep, Carol. Yeah, kind of wild how many YouTubers we have here. Um, Go uh, Gotham, Archer, Neil, Zach, like... Zella. Oh yeah, Zella. yeah. We gotta get ourselves on YouTube. Sure yeah, we gotta get these, um, you know, yeah, yeah. start getting these I'm podcasts on YouTube. I'm missing a lot, I'm sure. We'll, oh, we'll also, definitely get them up. That reminds me, the Black Templar. He has, um, he has a YouTube channel with a video where he owns the two of us. I think he <laughs> owned three of us because I'm pretty sure he took out the Predator too. Right. Um, I believe the channel name is uh, No Na No Nonsense Nerfing. <laughs> I like they started with No Nut, like No Nut November. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just about just about done. Yeah, just about done. Actually, right, we can not we can not after tonight, right, guys? <laughs> uh, only the most mature of talks. Speaking oh. of speaking of wood, actually, <laughs> the, uh, something that we've been have been talking about uh, before starting the recording is uh, because of a project that I took for a friend. I used to, uh, I started experimenting with this wood PLA on a three D printer and. God damn! Like, this actually looks like damn wood. That's awesome, after staining it. Well, hey, you yes. know, seeing uh, wrapping or uh, going back or rounding back. Uh, let's let's uh, see if the ranger guy will release his blaster because that blaster will look fantastic with a wood oh, body. Oh god, yes! Like that would be a blaster I would absolutely pay for files for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that uh, that wraps it up from my end. Um, again, you know, okay. monthly release. Uh, please, please uh, comment if you can your opinions on any platform we're on. We will take some of the comments that we like the most, and we will talk or review them or speak them live, review on them. Uh, we really look forward to hearing back uh, what you think as an audience. Uh, we thank you for your time and. Uh, does anybody else have anything like to wrap up with? Well, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks to all the people who have been coming to our events or, you know, supporting us through social media. Thank you guys for listening. And please, you know, if you have any feedback, whether it's constructive or positive, please let us know because we just want to be better for you guys. Absolutely. Anything from you, Carol? Yeah, what uh, what he said. <laughs> all right. Well, that's... That's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's not a, like, well, like, you know, that's what she said joke. That's what it sounded like to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you uh, also both, uh, Ness and Kyo, for coming out tonight. And uh, that's the wrap for the pilot and episode one of Mag for Tag. I uh, hope you all have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you, June, as well. All right. See ya. Coming up with an idea. All right. Thank you. Good night, everyone.